gentlemen. The show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll be fine on the mountain. Time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Curry just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks and built by the barndominiumco.com where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, if you live in Georgia, if you live in Tennessee, we also, of course, are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and it is some fine bourbon. If you haven't had it, make sure you uh, just check out our app and you can click on the chicken cock challenge button and you'll be able to find it in a location near you. JC will be along in just a moment. I'm JB. He's Phil. We're here until two o'clock this afternoon. Coming up in uh, about 15 or so minutes, John Whittle with the Big Spur will join us to react to this weekend's loss in College Station. The Gamecocks now just two and six on the year, but home for the entire month of November. Plenty on that today in our program and throughout the week. We'll also be joined at noon, as always, on Mondays by the great Pat DeMarco coming home from his trip to Buffalo late last week to go watch the Bills play where he once played in the NFL. And we'll get through some video with him uh, pertaining to the ball game this past weekend. South Carolina up next. It's the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State at noon on ESPNU. But if you will be in Columbia for that on Saturday, we'll be honoring at halftime and recognizing the greatest era in the history of the program, 2010 through 2013, Steve Spurrier, amongst all of those who will be there. I mentioned Pat DeMarco earlier, Stephen Garcia, and so many more from that era. Connor Shaw, uh, they'll step out onto the field and allow a what will be ruckus round of applause uh, for that uh, fine group of gentlemen that represented South Carolina so well we'll also take a drive around the sec uh, brought to you by love chevy we'll look at the rest of the country clemson also loses this weekend again it's shaping up to be a november of who wants to bowl and who doesn't when they get to that game the final one on thanksgiving weekend uh, the college football playoff rankings come out this week we'll get into the world series a little bit and uh, we certainly will take your uh, questions concerns comments and the whole nine yards in the nanosports chat box and if you're out cruising around, listening or watching our program, you can just 
text 803-766-6320. Phil, good morning. Morning, sir. Good morning. We've made it through the weekend unscathed. <laughs> yeah. At least personally, football team can't say so much, but uh, hey, this is, uh, you know, like you said, we got four home games coming up. This team plays better at home than they do on the road. That is evident. I hate that uh, one road win or a win away from home, not just on the road, but even neutral space. Um, but uh, you got starting this week, but together season that you can remember yeah there's no question uh you know they've they've got a lot uh there, there's still actually a lot on the line and i can't i cannot remember well not not that i can't remember i can remember it's never been like this before where they've got four home games in the month of november i think they're the only team in college football as a matter of fact who will stay home the entire time and on top of that all four of those games are all very winnable and you just never really know how a season is going to play itself out. Only a few weeks ago, uh, you know, you kind of thought, well, shoot, that Kentucky game, that's going to be, that might be a, and it's not not that it won't be difficult. It will be difficult. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it won't, uh, but it certainly doesn't look like it once did. We'll talk about the Wildcats today. They, they, they do this from time to time. They beat up on a bunch of no names early in the year, and then they fall apart uh, when the better competition comes along which has once again happened uh and then of course you know i'm not sure that many out there predicted if any that the tigers would be where they are so at least you looked at the back end of the november schedule and you thought you know, well they'll, they'll take care of jacksonville state or they should they'll take care of vanderbilt or they should and then those two games will be very difficult again those two games are going to be very difficult but they just still don't hold the you know that aura that they once did And um, so, you know, generally this is September, like generally, not always, but generally programs have the lighter part of their schedule up front so they can stack up some wins and and get some young guys in there and get them working and get the confidence flowing, get everybody kind of on the same page. And then, you know, you got your battles coming up and we'll see how it all works itself out. Totally the opposite for for South Carolina. Absolutely 100% the opposite direction uh, where they've got now they're not going to leave the house and they've got um, they got four games that they'll be favored in two of them. The other two, if they're not favored, they'll be very small underdogs more than likely and, uh, and have a great chance to, to finish at 500, which if they can do that, Phil, if they can do that, nobody wakes up and says, gosh, I just hope my football team goes six and six in the regular season this year. Nobody does that, um, and I get that, and and those are very low expectations. But to go from two and six to there, capping the season off with a win, your second consecutive over the Wildcats, it would kind of feel like all is right in the world again. Your second consecutive over Clemson, it would kind of feel like all is right in the world again. You, you, I don't know that you'd really look back and go, well, that season was a success, but you would also, it's like saving par. You know, it's like saving yeah. par or, or 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 bogeying when you're like, oh god, we're we're if I don't get this thing out of the bunker here, you're staring at a triple. You know, and you're in the bunker. Yeah, <laughs> you get it out. You got a little eight footer. You knock it in, 
and you breathe and you walk off the green and you get in your cart to go to the next hole and your mind is clear. And the next hole in this case, of course, would be a bowl game. So, I mean, it's it's doable and it's something that, um, that um, you know, I think this program expects to do with, with what lies ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got everything in front of you. I think the, the one game you really have circled is the next one, right? I mean, and, you know, I know that's kind of cliche or whatever, but it was like, okay, your season, you know, depends on this game. Um, bad Carolina teams lose this game on Saturday. And so you need to come out and win this game. And then you need to just roll on because it's – You've got Vanderbilt, which is you've got what an eleven game winning streak against right mm-hmm. now, ten or eleven. Yeah. And you don't want to drop that. You can't have that, you know, can't have that flip on you this year. Uh and then, you know, the winnable games of Kentucky and you know what and, and who'd have thought it at the beginning of the season, you could have the Clemson team roll in here who is also looking for their sixth win. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the way you really play out, but uh, hey, you know, nothing like nothing like yeah, eligibility by the state. There's no doubt, and and this is there's just so much that goes into this this whole season too. There are so many different conversations to be had. I I, I will say this: with all of the injuries that have that have that Carolina has succumbed to, with all of them, um, the offensive line problems, the whole nine yards. This is just my opinion, in my opinion only. I, I don't know. Probably you could probably say the Florida game. Maybe, um, maybe. I just I can't see it with Georgia, but just hindsight being twenty twenty, I, I I don't know that you can point to any of the six losses, maybe with the exception of one, that says had we been healthier, we would have won. And 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 I know that sounds fairly negative. But I, I believe that it's true. Um, I mean, the first game of the year, they were without, you know, a couple guys up front, but mostly pretty healthy. And 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 it, of course, they were without Juice. Um, but you know, I, I if Juice was there, I'm not, I'm not sure that Rattler still doesn't get sacked as much as he did. Maybe a little bit less. I don't know. Um, it's hard to imagine, even though they played the game closely. Uh, well, actually, they were better than Georgia for two quarters, which is still kind of astonishing when you look back on it. Georgia was count, still kind of trying to find their feet. Um, got dominated in the second half. With with Juice in that game for its entirety, could it be different? Maybe. Maybe maybe it could. Um, Tennessee, it's hard to see it, right? It's, it's hard to see it in Missouri. I mean, it's even hard to – I mean, so, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is a win or two in there with, without, without as many injuries as they've had. There might be. Um, I don't personally think that there's a, a more than one if there was. So at this no. point in time, you, you'd still be at three and five or, or maybe four and four or something like that. Now, you also would have, you know, I think four and four was ideal getting to November because you knew you'd have a great chance to finish with three or four wins. And, and that's a that's a nice year. That's a great year, as a matter of fact. That one or two wins makes all the difference in the world. Um you know, so there, there's a lot of things that they've got to kind of get figured out sooner than later. November, again, will present a bunch of opportunities to do so. I saw somebody just a little while ago in the chat box, uh, Joel, I said, what evidence do you have that the Gamecocks can handle Vandy? 
Well, uh, I think Vandy's presented their own evidence, number one. Uh, number two, I, I didn't say that. I said you should be able to handle Vandy. You should be able to handle Jacksonville State. I didn't say that they would, so let's not uh, – I know Joel likes to get in here and ruffle feathers. Um, let's not do that because that's not what I said. Um, so, you know, but they should. They should. Vanderbilt's not good. They're, they're terrible. And uh, they've lost – uh, shoot, what is it now, Phil? Seven straight games since opening the season 2-0 and over Hawaii and Alabama A&M. So, yeah, absolutely, but, South Carolina should handle these next two games. They should. And yeah, then Vanderbilt will come in here outmatched. Uh, I mean, there's no, yeah. you know, two ways about it. Uh, you just have to handle it. Uh, I mean, you know, there's been times when Carolina looked like the better team on paper and has still dropped that game. So, you just can't do that. Right. You can't have another Florida situation where it was like, you know, yeah, everybody's kind of picking you to win. You get the edge and then you just lay an egg because there's no there's no room for eggs at this point, period. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're going to pull this season together, it's going to have to be four straight wins, which is a great way to, you know, in in this ride. Um, but. You know, it was like Jan said, out of the four, one hiccup, and it's not a good ending. I mean, no. you're, you've you've played yourself to that point. Yeah, I think um, I'll be. Look, you know, if you want to make the bold statements, um, you know, you can't lose either one of the next two. Those are not bad losses. Those are incredibly, ridiculously embarrassing losses. That those are the losses. If you get beat by Kentucky and you get beat by Clemson or one of the other. Uh, those losses don't really set your program back. A bit, they're hard for the fans to swallow. They're hard for the team to f- swallow. But, but those aren't those aren't losses that set your program back. Losses that set your program back are embarrassingly bad losses, like what could happen this weekend or versus Vanderbilt too. That's what sets your program back. Um, yeah. That's where you you dig that hole and you're you are you're standing on people's shoulders trying to get out of it. That, that's how deep it is. So you don't lose those. So I think, you know, if Carolina were to finish under 500, which there's a great possibility they can because they have to go 4-0 in order to not do that uh, in the regular season, the best-case scenario is that you win the next two and then you beat Clemson because everybody always celebrates beating their rival. Um, we, we've already discussed round and round and round what the best-case scenario is. That's winning all four of them. You know anything less than that? It, it's going to be really, it's going to be. It would be a difficult off season to to put that lightly. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be. Ooh, we talk about you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. You no, know. I mean, hey, look. If you want to dream a little bit, I mean, you know, here you are. Uh, whatever this uh, person's name is in the Nana Sports chat box, walk on long snapper. Uh, Carolina versus Clemson, both teams five and six. That would be an intense game. It, it's very mid nineteen nineties again, you know, right. a game like that with these two teams. <laughs> but but I mean, like, yeah, like if you want to bring some uh, some type of intrigue and suspense back into your year, like you're sitting at two and six. Every fan in this fan base is sitting here going, "Golly, please get us to Thanksgiving weekend where we have a chance to at least get to a bowl game," but also in the same breath, say, we get to keep our rivals at home. Like, yeah. that is that there. And, and and that's another part of this. And we're going to talk about this today with uh, with JC. Like, 
you know, that's another part of this whole thing. You look to the upstate, and they're they're not that good. Like they're not good. Clemson's four and four, and you're two and six, and you're really a couple of boneheaded plays away from being three and five. So a couple of programs that have had just not a good year. If Clemson was eight and zero, it'd be even a lot louder around here. Yeah, but they're oh, not. Yeah. They're not. They're they're four and four, and so like you know there are. Not that people are are satisfied in any way, shape, or form, or giving a pass to to be at two and six, but the there is a there is a a piece of the of the feeling of the fan base that when the when the rival isn't worth a damn either, that like it at least tames some of the animosity, and and then you know you kind of let it all out whatever happens in the game at the, at the end of the year. So, yeah, that could be something. If both of them are sitting there at five and six, whoever wins goes to a bowl game, and um, and the other one has to stay home the rest of the offseason, that, um, that would be very uh, traditional Palmetto State football uh, as of like 30 years ago. Thought we'd move past that point at one point in time, but um, we're kind of right back where we were back in the 90s. So. All right, uh, we do we do need to step aside. John Whittle is waiting patiently to jump in and uh, fuss and discuss with us. Gamecock baseball, of course, is practicing this fall. They've been hitting the ball a long way out of the yard over there at Founders Park. We'll see if he can squeeze in a little update on that as well. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. I, I saw a screenshot this morning. Uh, somebody who's a fan of our program who's in here often uh, in the Nanus chat box often went in and saw michelle and bought a really really cool electric bike really appreciate that michelle's a, a great client but a better friend and and honored to call her that and glad we've been able to work out all these deals over the last few months with them and we'll continue to do so going forward but uh, really appreciate those who support uh, our clients here on inside the gamecocks show and on the chief sports network hang tight john whittle when we return down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, 
third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show here on the Chief Sports Network and always on the Chief Sports app. The great John Whittle joining us as he does on Mondays. What's up, man? It's good to see you guys. Appreciate y'all having me. I lost my, I didn't lose it. I just don't know where it is. My my Chief app hat. It's okay. So not, not wearing that today, but. I, lost I, my I got it right down there in my little, uh, what you call it thing. I, I, John, I lost mine too. So it's all good. And I, you know, <laughs> it's, my, it's my company. So, you know, I'm, I don't have anything that even says anything on it. I was looking around the, thinking about that the other day. Like maybe we should get some stuff ordered around here. Yeah. Um, sure. But uh, that's all right. All right, man. Uh, certainly want to get to some baseball with you. I want to talk about the world series too. A couple of guys, you know, facing off. That was pretty neat on Saturday night, but we, of course, we'll start with uh, football. Gamecocks fall again. Their fourth straight loss, Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, and now Texas A&M. Another game, although the defense did some nice things here and there, they still had some just really brutal uh, third downs uh, where they couldn't couldn't get A&M stopped. Um, uh, fourth downs, I, I'm pretty sure I haven't gone to confirm this number, but I was adding them up as the game went along. I'm pretty sure, John. That South Carolina's defense this year has given up 14 of 19 fourth down conversions. That sounds right. It actually sounds a little low. Um, you might that be is right. Awful. That you is you awful. might be right. Yeah. And they, uh, Texas AM had what, three of them in the first half, I think it was, and yeah. helped, uh, helped get a couple of touchdown drives out of it. Um, disappointing. Disappointing. Haven't been able to get off the field on third down or. Or fourth down. Third down was okay. Um, a couple weeks ago yeah. against Florida. Fourth down, fourth down's been the been the been the bugaboo here lately. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's made it much more difficult on the defense. Even though they did did play better, aside from about a 
uh, little stretch there in the second quarter. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, yeah, fourteen and fourteen of nineteen. That is seventy four percent. Oh my god, that is wow. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen that before in my life. And they're giving up forty two percent on third down, and a couple of those. We'll look at some of those coming up with Pat DeMarco and video. Yeah, it, look, it was going to be a tall task going over there. Let me ask you this: This, uh, um, I don't know if this question's fair or not, but um, I, you know, I answered my own question earlier. I don't. I think there might be one. Inju- if if Carolina didn't have all these injuries, that includes Juice Wells. How many more wins would they actually have right now? It's a fair question. I mean, you you have to win a whole lot of offensive games because um, obviously they're not suffering a whole lot defensively from a uh, from an injury standpoint. You know, I, I feel like you're going to be putting up a lot more points if if you're uh, if you've got some healthy offensive linemen and a healthy Juice Wells. I mean, Juice Wells and Xavier Leggett on the field at the same time, which we've which we've seen for what like I don't know. 20 plays this year it feels like like that's that's pretty formidable right there especially when you have a quarterback who especially early was going like Spencer Rattler was so I I don't know I mean I I feel like you probably win a couple more games um you know just because your offense is so much better you're scoring more points your your uh, defense isn't under pressure as much to to uh they, they they'll just be a little bit better. I feel like they won't be out there as much. So I, I don't know. I haven't really sat down and thought of, of, you know, what, what game would, would this make a difference? What game would it not have, you know, Texas A&M was going to be really tough anyway. I thought it was going to be a little bit more lopsided than it actually was and felt like I, I thought South Carolina would lose by about 18 points or something like that. But I, I thought it would feel more like 30 and, you know, they lost by about 13 and, you know, I don't know that it felt like that much. So I, I, I don't know. It's uh, it, it it would be certainly helpful from an offensive standpoint, but it's not like the defense has a bunch of guys out there either. Yeah, I think that's what's been disappointing this year for me is the is the defense. That's now nine of ten Power Five games where they've given up thirty or more points. Um, certainly, the offense contributes to that. You know, from time to time. I mean, this game, you start when it got under the. I think it was what the five four or five minute mark in the second quarter, you were sitting there thinking, okay, all right, well, certainly if you can get a stop, um, you know, there's a chance you can go in halftime. All right, so AM scores. Okay, they, they score. Okay, so what? Just find a way to get this thing to halftime because you get the ball to open the second half uh, and, and you've got some confidence. Just get this thing into halftime, take 15 minutes and regroup and then come back out there and then it just, you know, collapses on them in the last couple of minutes and all of a sudden they're down 21 to seven john and and i th- i felt like as soon as that happened it was not impossible um but coming back and, and really pulling a stunner on the road here just seemed this team's fragile and and that seemed to kind of break the glass a little bit it was just going to be hard to get out of that hole did you did you feel that way what what were you thinking in those moments when you went from this, this is a good game they're here They've got a shot to, oh, my God, It's they're down two touchdowns in three minutes. How'd that even happen? Yeah, when they went down two touchdowns, I thought it was going to be be too difficult, especially with, with the way that last one happened. I mean, you go, you have four plays with, you know, barely over a minute left, go minus four yards, hit a bad punt. Um, 
you know, it would, if you could have gotten in there 14 to seven, getting the ball back, I think you'd have been okay. Um, you know, I'm not sure how, how fragile the team is, in my opinion. I just think that they're short in, in several ways. Um, and, you know, they, they make mistakes. Maybe, maybe that's fragile. I, I don't know. But, you know, with, with the way that first half ended, um, I, I didn't. I thought it was going to be really difficult to come back, just because I figured Texas A&M would would make some adjustments after halftime and and uh, you know do some things differently offensively. Clayton White uh, was in, and the defense did okay for most of the first half and threw a couple of wrinkles out there at him. Um, I thought they would make some adjustments and be a little bit better in the second half. They really weren't. Uh, so I, I thought it would kind of get away from South Carolina a little bit, but just wasn't just wasn't enough. Just just not not quite good enough to to overcome on the road. Um, evaluate Spencer Rattler on the road versus at home. It's hard. It's hard. Like the numbers say how how different he is at, at home uh, versus on the road. But I I don't know how much you you really. Put in the 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 opponents that you play on, on the road versus him actually being away from home. Like, yeah, they've played really really good defenses on the road, and they've 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 had some of their most adversity from an injury standpoint when they've been on the road. You know, uh, Tree Babalade is out there playing left tackle. You know, midway through the second half, you know, barely barely on one foot. Um, you know they they've had guys out and had to move guys around. They they've had in game stuff happen. Uh, I, I I really don't know. I, I I'm not sure how how best to to answer that question. Just because the opponent's been so different in caliber on the road, and you know what he's had to deal with on the road has been has been uh, so different. I mean he didn't he he didn't have Xavier Leggett most of the game against Missouri. He didn't have a nearly anywhere close to 100 percent. Xavier Leggett against Texas A&M, like top target is a true freshman who is hardly, who had hardly played much, um, you know, during the first during the first half of the season. So it's really difficult to evaluate. I certainly don't want to put you know any any kind of real blame on him. Uh, I, I I don't feel like I, I don't feel like there's a whole lot that you can put on him just because of those reasons. Well, and and that was not a, a question to try to throw this dude under the bus in any way, shape, or form. And and I think you answered it about how I thought you would because there are things to consider. So South Carolina scores forty one points per game at home; they average sixteen points per game on the road. But the little level of competition that they've seen in both ballparks a little bit different. Mississippi State obviously isn't any good. Furman's an FCS team, uh, and you had the Gators, who, when you look at everybody else that they've played outside of Mississippi State, are probably below all those other teams and um, and all those other teams have been played on the road. So I do think there's a component in that, you know, uh, they, it, he continues to just, I don't know how I can't even really go back and understand John, how he ever got into a groove ever this year with the amount of issues they've had in protecting him. I mean, it, it is a, with all those injuries up there and playing the young guys, like I don't think outside of 1999, probably I guess 99, I've never seen an offensive line go through this. Um, I actually think it probably should be worse than it is, but you've got talented guys at least that are freshmen that are having to play in Travon Ball and Big Tree. So I think they're doing all they can. 
it, it is the strangest of circumstances I've ever seen for a kid as talented as, as Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and um, you know, just to just go back. I mean, three of the top four defense and defenses in the SEC. You know, South Carolina's played those those teams on the road. Missouri's seventh in the SEC, so you know they're playing a, a in scoring defense. So you know they've played they've played much better defenses on the road than at home. So yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think it goes to Spencer Rattler's you know mindset. You know, his preparedness for each game him having an understanding of what he has, what he doesn't have, and how to best manage, um, you know, what he's able to do out there. Um, you know, he he had a problem with with uh, not getting out of the pocket a little bit and, and uh, have had some intentional groundings that were really costly. Um, you know, he's heard the noise about the, about the sacks. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I see what he was trying to do there in Texas A&M's line is so – so fast and athletic, he just he wasn't able to get out of the pocket. So, you know, but I I think he's got a great understanding of what he's trying to do, what he's what he's capable of, and what the people around him are capable of. And I, I think that that's been a, a big key in his success. JC joining us here at eleven thirty five on Inside the Game Cox, coming off of his first program of the morning. JC and Morgan, guys, South Carolina this year has been outscored in the second quarter, 89 to 57. What do you think the issue is? It's a concern. I mean, from the North Carolina game on, it's, it's been it's been that way. Second quarter's not been kind to the Gamecocks, but I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, Saturday was a little bit – was a more of a field position kind of situation. And then Smith, <clears throat> I call it a recruiting touchdown because that dude's good. And he made a play kind of like a Juice Wells would have made a play. Um, I'm not going to say there's nothing you can do about it, but it was just a great play on, on that part to get him to 21. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wish I had that answer. Uh, I think they're playing good football teams. <laughs> uh, I think if you look at the schedule right now, considering the injury situation, <clears throat> the Florida game is really the only one you feel like got away. Uh, I think the rest of them, I mean, you're not going to win any games. But, I mean, Somebody in the chat box mentioned North Carolina was now a bad loss. That's not true because teams go through different phases of, of, of the season. Um, maybe you play North Carolina now and they're not playing defense, you win a shootout, right? Well, they were playing defense then, okay? And teams change as the year goes on. So uh, I think that, you know, playing good teams is a part of it. I think uh, part of it is, is A&M adjusted to what – Clayton White had a pretty good idea uh, uh, coming in with that new three-man front looking D. I mean, it gave Texas A&M a lot of problems. Uh, the D-line was getting – I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen the D-line get that kind of penetration all year. Have you guys? Really? Uh, well, yeah. no. It's The first the, – in the first three minutes of the game was the best they've looked. But they were showing a lot of different looks, too. Like, you had that corner blitz mm-hmm. by Dial. Yeah. Um, you know, you had a lot of stuff going on there that you could tell was – different john what do you have on that any 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 uh any insight as to what they decided to do this past week to try to generate more pressure defensively and create some issues well i mean it seemed like they were trying to uh just throw a different wrinkle out there and get a couple of pass rushers out there they've talked about how uh jaron willis the transfer from old miss who's you know hardly seen the field this year i mean regardless i mean not special teams, not not defense, not anything. Hardly seen the field at all, and and threw him out there in some 
some obvious pass rush situations and was able to to, to get home and, and execute a, a few times. Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, looked good out there, I thought. Um, I, I, I thought he looked great, especially early on in the game and in those pass rush spots. And, you know, they they uh, they let – I think JC pointed this this out. Um, but they, they let uh, Tonka Hemingway, you know, kind of show a little bit more athleticism out there, let him play more of a, a big end. Kind kind of kind of spot in the in the three man front and let him, uh, you know, show a little bit more athleticism out there. So you know, I, I mean, I think it was just uh, an effort to create some more negative plays and 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 throw a different look out there that they that they hadn't used before. Yeah, yeah, I I you know, and you wonder what they'll do off of that moving forward. You know, are they will will they continue to try to be a little bit more exotic? I mean, they're. They're still not a very good defense, and boy, I it, it I will say this, it 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 felt like, and there were a couple opportunities they just didn't didn't get them. It felt like they were getting very close to getting a big turnover somewhere Saturday. Mm. I mean, you kept thinking it was coming. You know, they popped it early in the first quarter, or, or I'm sorry, it might have been late in the se- uh, first quarter or early second quarter. Max Johnson came off field holding his rib cage. I said. Well, I, I sure hope that kid's okay. You know, never wish, wish injury on anybody. That's also a pretty good sign for the Gamecocks. You get one more good clip on him, and they might be down to their third-string quarterback, and wacky things start happening, you know. And um, But they never got him out of the game, and and he started he started kind of – you could feel that a little bit later on. Remember, guys, they, they kind of started moving the football and juncture yardage. Felt like they had kind of figured out what South Carolina was doing defensively. And, and you just felt like it was going to be tough to go from there, but yeah, I just just not enough bullets in the gun, guys. Yeah, and, and to your point, Texas A and M has had problems with turnovers all all year this year. Going into the game, they were tops in the SEC in the amount of times they turned the ball over. Um, so you know, I thought that uh, South Carolina was going to have some opportunity in that area, and you know, there were some opportunities and just didn't didn't take advantage of it. And you know, maybe that changes the game. Some, um, you know, <coughs> failing, failing to uh, uh, force a turnover, failing to, to block that punt in a scoop and score fashion. I mean, those things could have could have changed the game. JC, four straight. Um, well, JC and John, I haven't had a chance to speak with JC yet. Four straight here in November. They should be able to handle business this weekend. They should be able to handle business against Vanderbilt. Even with all the issues they've got, they're better than both those programs. And then it should come down to Kentucky and Clemson. We'll see how it all plays out. I usually this is you can that's why you can never predict seasons, right? You you can do all these little funny things or you predict wins and losses and all that crap we do in July and August. None of it matters. Usually this is what you see in September. Uh, you know, guys, you know, play a schedule that allows you to get some wins, i.e. Kentucky. And then, you know, you you, you get that song and dance later on to try to figure out wh- who the men are. Uh, Carolina gets that seemingly on the backside of this thing in November with these two up front and then a couple of winnable games in Kentucky and Clemson if all can go well for your program. I mean, with where they are now from an injury standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, just assess this overall entering this month with just two wins and the chance to get more. I need to go back and look, but I – I don't think I can remember a season where we're going into November and South Carolina's played two SEC home games 
and three home games, period. Yeah. I, I don't think I can I remember that. Um, I think there's no secret this team plays better at home, the Florida loss notwithstanding. Um, I, I think that the they match up a lot better with Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, and Clemson than A&M and Missouri. And uh, I'm not going to include Florida in that one because I do think they matched up pretty well with Florida, and I still don't think Florida's that good. I, I think that was a very – that was a bad loss. But, you know, they match up better with those guys, these guys coming up than Tennessee and Georgia on the road, for God's sake. Um, so I, I, I think the idea is – flush everything and i've got that today and and it's a new season it's a new season starting saturday uh jacksonville state not only could give the gamecocks a game they could win rich rodriguez is a very good coach his offense is tough to stop they have a good running quarterback they're not going to come in here scared they're seven and two they're a proud program uh you should beat them because you got better talent better players and you're at home uh vanderbilt's getting better vanderbilt i think decided they just weren't going to run the ball anymore a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Carolina's struggled to stop, you know, some of these teams that uh, try to run it but can't throw it down the field. I mean, I think Kentucky's a very average Kentucky team this year. I don't think this is Mark Stoops' best team. Um, and I think Clemson, obviously, we all watch them, and we all know their struggles. And who knows what they'll be like when they, they get here in a month. Uh, you, you could – I mean, there's still a lot on the table. Get to a bowl. That's A. Beat your arch rival second straight year. That's C. That's B. Beat Kentucky for a second straight year. That would give you three out of five. You want that, okay? You want that. You want to reverse that trend against the Wildcats. Uh, beat Vanderbilt yet again, you know, and don't have what I call the catastrophic loss. You know, around here when we've had really bad years, You've had that loss to Citadel or the loss to App State at home or, mm-hmm. you know, the loss to Vandy at 07, you know, when, when that team started its downslide. Uh, this program last year showed it could win four in a row. Well, this is kind of a similar setup, except they had to go on the road to play Kentucky. Uh, you know, you had Charlotte, you had SC State. You feel good about those. Then you have Kentucky and A&M at the end. Uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of like Clemson. Uh, you know, A&M was a talented but struggling team. They have to come in here and play a high Gamecock team. Uh, you know, Kentucky is here instead of there. Um, and I'm, I, I, I think Jack State and Vandy are much better than Charlotte and SC State last year. But those are still games that could be get-right games. I mean, you know, here's the thing. The season's not over. It looks ugly right now. But, you know, injuries in the schedule are a real thing. Sometimes those are excuses. Uh, I'm not so sure that's a as excuse much as much as it is reality this season for this team because the combination of, of those two teams has given you no time uh, to make up for anything. So I I think I think you just got to flush it. It's a new season. You don't have to leave Columbia. Uh, you always have played better at home under Beamer. Uh, no nobody that's a world beater is coming in here. Nobody. Uh, you don't have you know Tennessee coming in or, or, or you don't have any game you, you should be more than a three- to seven-point underdog. And so that, that's the deal. I think everybody needs to just – I know people are pissed off. Uh, everybody needs to flush everything and just say, all right, well, season, or the season starts next Saturday. And, and just everybody get behind it and let the chips fall where they may. John, where do you think this team is entering November? Confidence standpoint, the whole nine yards. You just – where are they? I, I think they're okay from, from a confidence standpoint. You know, they're, they've – lost more than they expected but they they 
the vast majority of them feel like they're they're still engaged and playing hard. Like it, I, I mean, I, I don't see I don't see any real sign of give up just yet. Uh, you know, maybe that changes if if uh, you know they lose to Jacksonville State uh, this this week, but I, I don't see that right now. Um, you know, Jacksonville State has a seventh year quarterback coming yeah. in this weekend. You don't see that very often, uh, but se- seventh year guy, so he's. He's about as old as is is uh, as you are, Jamie. I think, but um, you know, it's it's is it's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult than I think a lot of folks around here are expecting. And but you know what, winning winning can uh, can get a little bit better, uh, can, or can make things better too uh, on on the team. So figure out a way to beat Jacksonville State. Figure out a way to beat Vanderbilt, and obviously you you're uh, starting to build a little bit of positive momentum at that point. Yeah, the Jacksonville State team's got a nice record at seven and two, five and one in the league. I, I, I uh, you know, could be wrong, but I'm not gonna go out and give them as much credit as a lot of other people are giving them. They've barely beaten some really bad teams this year, like Sam Houston State and UTEP. They're terrible, and they squeak by in, in games like that. But um, playing on like Tuesday and Wednesday night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're coming in with like 13 days rest, man. They've, uh, yeah. but they've, uh, <laughs> they, they did lose. They lost to Coastal and they lost to. The Liberty. coach at Liberty, Chadwell. They lost to Chadwell's old team and his new yeah. team. And, and Coastal's those not teams, very good. Those teams shut them down pretty good. You know, it's just such a different – I mean, it's like playing – it's not necessarily just like playing a triple option team because you don't have to worry about the cut blocking. But that 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 old it, – it, it's the zone read and all that. Rich Rod basically created it or, or had a lot to do with it. Um, so it's like playing a Mike Leach air raid team. It's a pure zone read thing. So if you don't stop the quarterback and they get that thing rolling, you could be in trouble. I mean, it's it's so it's scary from that standpoint. But they're not good on defense, and so I mean, Mario Anderson should be able to run the ball pretty well against them and stuff. I mean, uh, it's just a matter of you know, I don't know, not uh, not giving up big play, not you know, going out there and, and playing like you're capable. You know, going out there and playing your best game. Then, you know, it's like Spurrier used to say, we're going to go play our best game next Saturday and then the next Saturday and the next – and you know, and I promise you guys, if they do that, good things will happen and we'll all be sitting here happier in, in four weeks. I, I just – you know, you just look at it and it's like it is a completely different universe, the schedule coming up than, than what, it, what it has been. Before we get you out of here, John, a really, really neat moment for Gamecock baseball over the weekend – uh, on Saturday night, as Christian Walker stepped to the plate against his former teammate, Jordan Montgomery. Gumby got the best of him, uh, but uh, sure was uh, neat to see those guys going up. I don't know if you've spoken to either one of them. The series tied at one apiece right now. This is setting up to be, a, I think, a pretty darn good World Series going six or seven games. But that 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 was neat. That was a really good thing. I wish uh, I wish the networks maybe would have. Done a little homework as to you know who those two guys were and and how how far back they go, but that's all right. We've done ours around here. That's right. And it, I, I didn't get to watch much of the game on on Saturday night. I, I did get to watch a, a little bit here and there, but um, certainly certainly neat for those guys. Uh, hopefully, it uh, goes deep into this into this thing, so we get to see Jordan out there another time. I think we we certainly should. Um, you know, Christian hasn't been at his best this postseason, but we know that uh, he can deliver some clutch hits and some big moments. So so certainly, certainly uh, really happy for those guys that they get to uh, square off on the biggest stage of them all in, in baseball and, 
And, uh, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to speak with them, but I, I'm, I feel quite confident that, that they are, they're having a blast. And both of them love this place too. Like, you know, Jordan Montgomery comes home. Christian Walker is around here a good bit in the off season. Um, so, you know, they're very, still very, very connected with this program. It's an 8.03 first pitch tonight on Fox. That number rang true on Saturday as well. Pretty neat, 8.03 uh, with those two gentlemen who played in the 8.03 going up against each other. That was, uh, that was really cool. Any updates uh, on Gamecock baseball recruiting-wise or uh, fall ball? Who, hey, by the way, who are they playing this fall in their, in their fall schedule? Uh, they're they're just doing inter squads. Uh, okay, so they didn't schedule anybody. Yeah, there there's some things from a roster standpoint that if you play play uh, one of those uh, games against an outside opponent, anybody who plays is automatically on your roster uh, in the spring. And there there's just some roster dynamics that they don't really want to have to deal with. So they get uh, they they get enough good on good with with uh, their own inter squads and and they have elected not to do that. And King's also a little bit more superstitious than I am, but certainly goes goes in line with the baseball coach. The uh, couple of years that they have done the, the scrimmages outside of of um, the program, they've had really bad seasons. So <laughs> they're, they're they're staying away from that from that standpoint too. They will scrimmage at three forty five on Thursday, and again at three o'clock on Friday. Gamecock baseball. Oh, I John? appreciate that. I hadn't even seen it yet. Oh, yeah, uh, just uh, got that a little bit ago from Mr. Reichert up there in the SID's office. John, have a uh, wonderful week. Sure hope you get to cover a win next Saturday, because if you don't, uh, we'll cancel our Monday show more than likely. Yeah, I, I think that would be the appropriate time, not Labor Day, to uh, to cancel the Monday show. <laughs> That'd be a disaster. That'd be like, all right, we're taking a break. Just yeah. out of curiosity, John, uh, is it okay if we take Thanksgiving off this year and Christmas? Both of those fall during the work week, you know? Yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving, you could probably just move around the show a little bit. I mean, Thanksgiving is a meal, right? It's, it's a meal, a right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> Somebody get Will on the horn. Let's find out if we're allowed to war- uh, take that day off or not. <laughs> All right, bud. Thank Those you. Those are like actual real holidays, though. Labor Day is not a real holiday. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. No doubt. It is for us, but not for others. So. Yeah, I had a good Labor Day. I was floating in the river in uh, Georgia on Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're right, though. You're right, though, man. You, you, as always, you are correct. You're the Appreciate man. Appreciate you guys. There Y'all you have go. a good one. John Whittle Thanks, John. with the big spur again. We mentioned last week John took the baseball team up to Spartanburg on uh, Monday for the Trunk or Treat event with the Spartanburg Miracle League and uh, the Barn Dominium Co., who is one of our proud partners here. And John is just a true American. Thanks, John, for what you do for everybody. It's 11.53 on Inside the Gamecocks. Uh, the show, Pat DeMarco, is coming up at the top of the hour. We'll get into some uh, video with him. And a reminder, the, uh, tomorrow night, the first college football playoff rankings will come out on Halloween night. So once you get done with your trick-or-treating, that'll be fun to fuss and discuss. And, of course, we got plenty to get to today as it pertains to the Gamecocks. We'll look back on the weekend that was in the SEC and uh, look around uh, the rest of the country. I mentioned that Clemson is at 4-4. Four four. That's probably helping ease some of the pain for this fan base and the fact that uh, – a bad year is not being coincided with a, a college football playoff type year for their for the Tigers, as we've seen 
in the past that uh, just made things worse, but not so this year. Final couple of minutes here in this, though, I will mention um, that uh, it, I don't know if this matters to anybody or not, but it matters to me. Wando uh, this morning officially opened their head coaching position. This has been expected for some time. And there is, quote, from what I'm told, significant, crazy significant interest uh, as they are now turning the page. Thank God for my alma mater getting their, you know, what together and they're going to go make splash deal. Um, so we'll keep I know. Uh, yeah. There's, there's, there's a couple of guys I've, I've uh, put, uh, put in touch with you and Flint about that job. So that's uh that is a job that has, um, that has a lot of potential. Still. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I've been. I was on the horn all morning, as a matter of fact, and sending some emails back and forth. So they're going to get it right. They're going to get it right. And um, one of these days, we'll do inside the Gamecocks live from the press box over there when they do, because they. Uh, it's been. It's been too long. It's ridiculous what's happened with the uh, Warriors. Congratulations to everybody, by the way, who won region championships and things like that. Uh, this past Friday night it was an excellent night for uh, high school football. I hope all of you followed along. Um, I hope all of you followed along on the Chief Sports app as you were able to get your scores and, and things like that. All right, Phil, it's 11.55. We'll go ahead and turn the page uh, so we can get Pat in on time today at uh, noon and look forward to letting him kind of fill us in on what he saw on the field with some some of the video and things like that that we'll do with the great Pat DeMarco. Tomorrow's Halloween. Are y'all ready? Bill, what are you dressing as, by the way? Uh, uh, Chili's bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Costume that I know well. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be uh, that'll be a that'll be a real hit in the neighborhood. Yeah. Sure will. <laughs> yeah, last year, that guy looked like looked like a blooming onion. This year. <laughs> I know we found a couple of years ago. We found an old cone head head in uh, oh. a box of old Halloween stuff. One of those like old latex ones, and I, I did wear that around the neighborhood. And uh, I, I don't know if it was really giving off cone head vibes. <laughs> Uh, I can see where you yeah I can see I can see where you fit in with old Dan Aykroyd and the Conan's Pat DeMarco up next hang tight we'll be right back the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game 
Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. It's time for Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Part of the Chief Sports Network. Fresh off of a return trip to Buffalo, New York. Welcome back, our friend and the great, former great NFL team captain and all pro, Pat DeMarco. What's up? Man? What's going on, Jamie? How are you, buddy? Good to see you. I know this is going to be a big week for you, too, uh, being recognized at halftime with Coach Spurrier and the rest of that 2010 group that won the East down in the swamp. Uh, it's a whole collective group of players from 2010 to 2013. That's going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I uh, sent out a post. We're trying to spread the word more. I think we have close to 100 guys signed up, but uh, obviously the more the merrier. It's uh, definitely a huge feat and something to really be celebrated um, for that four-year stretch, most winning time in Carolina history. Um, hopefully we can get back to those days, but in the meantime, us has-beens, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take in on that time and, and, and really enjoy kind of being back, being back in Will You Be um reflecting on some of those uh incredible times together and 
drinking some cold beers and hanging out. I was texting with Garcia. He said, have, have your boots on, buddy. It's going to be a long weekend. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sounds right. Uh, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm bringing Hannah and Riley their first game this Saturday. And uh, awesome. so that'll be neat for me to be able to, they won't know, but I'll be able to tell them when they get older. You know, yeah. that well, hopefully uh, Garcia has a shirt on. So uh, they'll, uh, <laughs> down there at halftime, hopefully he has a shirt on so he doesn't scare the kids away. Yeah, I was about to say, Jim, put your shirt on. You're scaring all the chicks away. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited. You know, these are all my buddies. You know, and um, and one day we'll be able to say that was their first game. Um, yeah. We got plenty of video to get to with you in just a little bit. A lot of plays. Some of them are actually in sequence, mm-hmm. um, in, in which things kind of transpired this past weekend. We'll get there in just a moment. But um, you know, I want to go back real quick to 2007 uh, because that that team your freshman year yeah uh, that team started off six and one y'all were number six in the country and uh, I think that was right after you had just beat Kentucky on a Thursday night if I remember yep. correctly Williams Price and things were man things were good times were yep. good year three Steve Spurrier here they come they're going to you know all this and, the and then y'all got beat by Vanderbilt and you yep. lost five straight to end the year this team different scenario here different scenario um but it's a team that's struggling they've lost yep. four straight and they come home they got four straight at home coincidentally when you were going through that especially being a freshman understanding who the leadership was on that team i'm not asking you to call people out right that's all i'm saying yep. but understanding the leadership what is it like in a college locker room in a program in in this in this caliber of a program in the sec when things week in week out they just aren't going well. What what is important what, uh, about getting it back on track? What is it like in that locker room? How fast can it go off the rails? Just give us the whole deal. Yeah, you know, like it's a lot easier looking back here as a 34-year-old and like being able to reflect on those. Having even having experienced that in the NFL, like you're a grown-up at that point. At 27, 28 years old, when you get, you know, adversity hits you in the face and and you can sit there like you can have grown up conversations. You can kind of work through these things at, you know, 18 to 22 years old. You're are you really mature enough to to get through all this? And, and I mean, there's guidance from coaches and support staff in the building um, in those instances. But, yeah, I remember six and one. I mean, obviously, I was an 18 year old kid at the time. Um Thought we were on top of the world. Lost to Mandy. Oh, no big deal. We'll figure it out next week. And, and end up losing to Clemson in the last game to miss a bowl game. Uh, we were number six in the country. We didn't play in a bowl game. How how sad is that? But, you know, I, kind of reflecting on that and kind of where the program is now, I, I'd say it's a, it's a lot of more internal motivation than anything. I'd kind of block out the noise and all the BS on social media and, um, you know, and everything that's out there because what matters is what's in the building. Um, and the guy that you're fighting for to your left and to your right, um, at two and six, it's, it's nowhere near what Shane Beamer and staff and I'm sure the athletic department and everybody had expectations for this year. But, um, if you want to figure it out, you got to bring your lunch pail and get to work. Um, and that's kind of the only thing you can really do is dig it out with the guy to your left and to your right, the reading social media and, listening to shows and, and this and that is, is not going to help the case uh, because there's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but mm-hmm. um, you know, in, like had the injury bug, right. I mean, how many offensive linemen are, do we have available? You ever Six? seen that before? 
Um, I mean, just complete depletion. Um, you got to think from a receiving standpoint, like obviously Xavier gets not full. Um, just watching the game last week, um, he wasn't moving around like he usually does. Not having, um, not having juice out there, losing Trey Knox. Um, you know, it's it's kind of lonely right now. But I mean, Spencer's still playing pretty good football. And anytime your quarterback's playing at a high level, you got a chance to win every single game. And as bad as it was, it really wasn't that bad on Saturday. Like, yeah, I mean, we lose by thirteen or whatever it was, and but. I mean, it could have been worse if, if they did. If, if the Gamecocks didn't give up, they continued to fight. They continued to scrap. Um, they made plays at times. Didn't make plays at times. Um, I think we just got to put our put ourselves in a better situation to succeed at times. Uh, I, I mean, seeing some of the clips you sent me and rewatching it, um, you know, it's a lot of one on one coverage and a lot of not much safety help over the top and some bad leverage without help. Um, and, 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 but, but to the coach's defense, like these are SEC caliber athletes that are now making money, um, getting their tuition paid for, meals, school, everything, room board. Um, these guys got to go out and make plays too. Um, so it's not, not all on the coaching staff and, and putting them in situations. The players have to go out there and execute as well. It's, um, I reflect on my time in the NFL and, it was an older guy. It was Ryan, actually Ryan Suckup told me was when I got to Kansas City, he said, Pat, you're going to learn it really quick. This is a what have you done for me lately business. Um, and it's a production-based business as well. So you have to go out there and make plays. Nobody cares about what you did last week, two weeks ago, last season. If you're not doing it right now, uh, there's going to be issues. Um, so, you know, they just got to keep keep fighting, keep, keep pressing on. And, like, here's a play with Dial right here, like, Dial, I thought Dial played one of his better games, um, at least from getting guys on the ground standpoint. Um, he had a bunch of tackles, um, had this big sack, had a few PBUs, was involved heavily. Um, and, I mean, this is a good play. You get a back one-on-one in space, just be an athlete, right? That, that's exactly what Dial does there. You know, um, Pat, early in the game here, and uh, the first drive for A&M, there were a lot of different looks that Clayton threw at the at the AM offense and they didn't seem yep. to know what to do with them. A lot of negative yardage there for the Gamecock yep. defense. Yeah. I mean, we had a I felt like we had a lot of guys. And what we've done is we have kind of like we've made teams one dimensional. Like we've taken like we there have, hasn't been too many teams that have run the ball and thrown the ball and just beat the crap out of us um a lot of it has been one-dimensional we've been able to stop the run in games where you know the big big thing was hey we got to stop the run don't let them run the ball against us but we didn't stop the run but then they threw the ball over our heads and ran wild on our secondary um and i feel like this was kind of another one of those games i mean watching the very first two drives like watching max johnson back there i was like man this guy's not a great sec quarterback like just didn't, the ball doesn't come out of his hand hot. Doesn't didn't look like he went through his progressions overly fast. I mean, I thought Spencer, from a composure standpoint and sitting in the pocket, was was light years ahead of him. But you know, he was able to get the ball to those guys in space and and, and let number one and number zero. They kind of ran wild in the second there with the ball in their hands. Um, like this is a play right here with, with um, 
uh, with Spalding in coverage where he has outside leverage and there's no rap player inside. There's nobody to help him. He's yeah, he has outside leverage, follow him inside, and he's in a great place, like makes a play on the ball, but there's just nobody else inside. Like, you'd love for Nick. Nick was probably thinking pick there instead of go make him play on the ball. And, and But it's just another instance where you got bad leverage and quarterback made a decent throw, and, and it's just bad timing. That's happened um, a lot this year. We've got more plays like that coming up here, Pat, where the middle of the field has just been flat out wide open, specifically on yeah. third and long, fourth down. You've seen a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, we uh, there was a play later that was going to show up, but we had like – I mean, it was, it was, I think there was two of them where essentially we're in cover zero or quarters where everybody's accounted for, but we have seven guys either rushing or within five yards of line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have guys dropping in those, in those whole, whole spots to cover digs and daggers, all that stuff that in the 12 to 15 to 20 yard range, if you don't have backers in that space with hands up, the quarterback has to throw a high ball or rip it in an open seam, like it's kind of letting these guys run wild. Um, I mean, I will say, like, like we got pressure on the quarterback. I think we had two or three sacks. Um, you know, we, we were able to get in his face and, and affect him early. Um, here's Ty, or this is uh, Brian Thomas, who I freaking love that kid from the day he got on campus, just played with such a high motor, undersized kid, but just had kind of that that dog in him. Um, you know, the last one, Tonka Hemingway, got, uh, got some vertical pressure inside. Uh, forced it to, to Tyreek, and they kind of vice tackled him. It's a good sack there, but I mean, this is one of them right here. We have, I mean, we 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 trigger, we add blitz all the time. So basically, if you drop in coverage, or your banjo on the back, and the back stays in, that backer kind of triggers and adds. It's basically like a like an ad blitz. Um, but here, I mean, Stone pops out next. Stone actually does a good job of reading his eyes. He's just two steps too slow, uh, and that seemed to have, show up a lot on tape with. With a lot of our backers, they were just, you know, a step or two slow and just not able to play in space and get the guy on the ground. Like, man, there's – you give up another 15 yards there because Stone can't kind of balance to make that play. Uh, this is uh, – I think A&M punches it in here to go up 14 to 7. And, yeah, that was – I think they had a run, rushing touchdown on that one right there. Yeah, wide open too. It yeah. came right through the hole there. And the, th- the the thing that's crazy about this, Pat, is you look at the you look at the clock here. It's three thirty six. Like everybody's like like it's is it zero with a with a whole player or is it quarters with just man technique? Um, it's just a lonely feeling. Like unless you're Josh Norman or unless you're Asante Samuel, unless you're one of those corners that like feeds off of being a man coverage. And I'm like I'm gonna kick your tail, play in and play out. Like when I was playing in, when I was in Atlanta and Josh Norman and the Panthers were in their heyday, that defense was freaking stellar, but we'd break the huddle and Josh Norman was standing at the football. Mm-hmm. Like, like he was playing nose guard and where Julio went, he's not, he's not backing up one yard from the line of scrimmage. He is following him the entire way and sitting right in front of him. Like, I don't think we have good enough corners to ask them to be, Main coverage all the time, locked down. Like, we don't have Cam Smith. We don't have Darius Rush. Like, those guys did that last year for us. That's why we were able to make plays. We don't have that this year. You, you, you can't have the same recipe with different players. Like, uh, you, you know, you have to adjust to your team. And you have to adapt to your team, play to your strengths. 
Like, like I thought Dow did play well. Uh, OD played well earlier in the year. I, I didn't really see him too much in this game. Um, but you just have to put your guys in positions to win. And I don't think we've done well with that on defense this year. Uh, I see JC kind of shaking his head a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm Pat, I'm right there with you, buddy. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I know it's hard. Like a game plan's hard. You, you, I would imagine that we probably thought AM was going to try to run it all over us. And sure enough, they, they really, we kind of bobbled them down. They weren't that efficient running the ball. Uh, I didn't think they had just over 100 yards, but um, like they had 40 carries for, for 105 yards. They averaged 2.6 yards per carry. So like right. we, we made them one dimensional. But the problem is in the past game, they had God knows how many explosive 15, 20 year pass plays. Well, that, a lot that, of them were in third and long situations. Plus, they were four four on fourth down, which sucks. That's um, Pat. Pat, you do you know what the fourth down numbers are this year on defense? Uh, I would imagine it's probably north of seventy five percent giving up. You're on it. Fifteen of nineteen. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen that before. That's 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 not yeah. that's the worst I've ever seen. Actually, it's terrible. I, I'm not trying to sound like a total jerk, um, but that is. That can't happen. And yeah, it's not like those are all fourth and one, just quarterback sneak, shove it over the top, let's gain a couple inches and move on. We've seen it fourth and 12, fourth and 15, fourth and 10, fourth and nine. Yeah. I mean, but but the crazy thing is, is Beamer puts them in those high-pressure situations in practice all the time. They do sudden change. They do two-minute. They do two-point, like, kind of competitive pieces. Like, they do super high competitive um like simulations throughout practice. So like it shouldn't be, you know, if I, I would say if, if if you see fourth and seven once and you're like, you know, you get all tightened up and you, you kind of freeze up in the play, but like Beaver puts them through it. Um, so, I mean, I, I, it, it's either the play calling or execution on the player standpoint. Um, I think you could probably, probably reflect on both of those. Um, and you know, like two and six, it's unacceptable. Um, we can't sit there and, and sugarcoat it much. Like, I think every Gamecock fan's pretty pissed off, especially in the new age of college football where, you know, donors are not donating just to the Gamecock club. They're donating to the players now, uh, paying the players now. So, um, like, so, some of these players got to gotta make their due and, and, and make your money. Um, and that was a thing in the NFL is if you – if it was a production-based business. If you didn't play, at least at the NFL, you'd be cut. Or if it, if you didn't get cut, they'd have six guys working out at your position right in front of you on Tuesday or Wednesday after practice. They kind of <laughs> give you a little a nip in the butt and be like, hey, buddy, if you ain't going to do it, all six of these guys would, would love your paycheck. Um, so I know it's the honest truth, and I mean maybe a little no. too honest and direct, but um, – I mean, if we're, if we're going to treat them like pros and pay them like pros, they need to be pros. Um, and, you know, we've got to be better. I mean, this week we got Jacksonville State. Um, and, shit, we better play with some pride because uh, I know all my buddies from the 10 to 13 years, like if if Carolina does not show a good outing this week and, and play like we should play and play with the – energy and the grittiness and the toughness that we played with back in those days, there's going to be a lot of chatter. 
Yeah. Well, you got that right. And they'll all be standing there. It won't be, uh, it won't be chat room and message board and Twitter chatter. It'll be, uh, Hey, you know, we, we, we came in here and, and elevated this program and what's going on here. Um, It's good. I mean, it's not that it's unacceptable because they, they are playing hard. Um, and like everybody, we all need grace and patience. Right. Um, but, Losing four in a row, um, especially games that you've been in, um, and it's not like you're playing Alabama, Georgia. Shit, we played Georgia tight. We played Georgia tighter than we played, I think, three of these last four losses. Um, Actually, whipped so, Georgia in the first half of that game. Whipped them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that, but also look at it. It's a big difference in having your 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 stud receiver out there. Um, this is a play I know all too well. Goal line. Well, Love this goal line yes. flood pass rollout. I mean, I scored God knows how many touchdowns on that play. Uh-huh. Not that many, but a few, um, like four. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's four, four more than the rest of us, bud. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, great. I love got, this I mean, play. I'd be sitting there and I'd be yelling like, "I'm oh, like Tunka's got Tunka's got a step on him." That's that's the fullback's ball all day, every day. But Josh Simon's wide open too. So, um, but it is cool to see. Uh, the team get Tonka and um, Boogie. and Boogie guys involved. I mean, these guys are those guys are as Gamecock as Gamecock gets, um, and it's good to see them involved. And I think they're they're playing better ball too. I mean, you, you look. I mean, other than having sacks sack production, I mean, those guys from stopping the run standpoint have done that this year. Um, and yep, I mean, DK great job cutting and getting the hands down. If he doesn't, that defensive ends. I mean, if he doesn't get that number five's hands down, that ball's tipped, uh, potential's pick. So, um, I mean, as as uh, Bill Belichick says, do your job. And um, DK did his job there, and the rest of the guys did as well. Here's this another, another one. That, yeah. That we get up in the back end. We have seven guys within three yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, and you got four receivers running, like, blazing down the middle of the field. And it's just like, it's really hard to hold up. If you got seven at the box. Like you got to get somebody's got to get home. Like you can't cover these guys for more than three or four seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of space. God bless. Is yeah. that Keenan or no? It's Keenan Nelson. I think it was Keenan Nelson. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then right here, uh, you know, dot there. I think that was two or three tackles that between OD and and Marcellus had tough time getting them on the ground there on the sideline. And that, that I think that's one of the things those of us, I'm, I'm, you know, one of them in that basket that just doesn't know enough about the X's and O's or trying to figure out why there's so many third down conversions down and distance wise it's favorable to the defense but yet all these teams continue to have guys running wide open across the middle of the field and with ease they're, they're being able to convert. I mean I will say what, what I've seen from Clayton like when when Clayton push comes to shove Clayton wants to pressure um, and there's there's beauty when when you get home but if you don't get home it's lonely. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've, I've never been a defensive coordinator. Actually, no, I lie. I was for six and seven year old flag football, which was like word straight zone. Like, uh-huh. guard your area. If somebody comes in your area, pull their flag if they throw it to them. But it's like 90% run game. So it's quite easy. Um, but we, I, I don't know. I, I feel like as well as we're doing stopping the run, we, we, we got to maybe stop pounding the box so much and let our front seven hold up um, in the run game and kind of give the safeties and corners a little bit of a break. I mean, it's 
I mean, I, from a tackling standpoint, yeah, Debo played really well. Tyreek, I mean, but you look like our front, our top four tacklers were two defensive linemen and two linebackers last week. Um, so that goes to show you that those guys played in the box well. Um, but when Nicky Miore and I mean DQ Smith, that that targeting penalty was brutal. Losing a guy like Kim Stunk. What do you um, think about that? What do you, what do you think about the rule in a in a situation like that? There, it is so hard because it's like you know ball carrier ducks his head too to kind of get in a position to protect himself. Um, head or neck area, like well, I went to strike him in the chest, but he dropped his head, and now his chest was his head. Right. Um, so just different interests. I mean, I get it from player safety. I got my bell rung a bunch of times. Uh, probably have a few more brain cells left up there if I if I if I was protected more, but. Um, I mean, I get it, but it's also a, a physical sport. I mean, these guys know what they signed up for when they signed on the dotted line to play football in the SEC. Um, yeah. It's a grown man's game. Um, and you know who I'd like to see play more is Bam Martin Scott. Um, you know, I haven't watched enough tape to say whether he's playing good, bad, or indifferent, but Bam is a really, really athletic linebacker. Um, I mean, they even put him out in like big nickel situations at, at some points last year in spring ball and stuff where he's guarding slot receivers, guarding tight ends in space. Um, I mean, I would say if you're struggling in the past game and that linebacker position probably isn't holding up as well in coverage as you need to, make an adjustment. Like, I think Bam, uh, I mean, unless he's just like also, we're not sitting there in practice, so we don't know if he's has. 12 MAs and he's loafing and all these other – so, I mean, these coaches are doing their job, and obviously. But mm-hmm. I think if you want to change things up, I mean, I think Bam would be a really good plug to maybe be your third down Mike linebacker or an instance for a guy who can run and play in coverage and has good ball skills. Um, I'd like to see him on the field a little bit more. Uh, the uh, they they did get Jerron Willis on the field this weekend. Um, yep. and he, he, had, he had a half sack or sack he, on a, on one of those ad blitzes. It was one of the clips we watched. What is important for linebackers to improve their playing time? What what are you what are you looking for in practice? Uh, I mean, trust. Uh, trust is probably the biggest thing. Trust and communication. Um, I mean, a lot of the, those linebackers are getting the call from the sideline. They're getting everybody in line. They're they're shifting. They're stemming. They're you know, they have to – the defensive line doesn't have to deal with much of the jet motions and the sweeps and the and this and that. It's, it's a lot of the linebackers. So, um, good eye discipline, communication, and just trust. Um, you know, I I, I, I know Stone was a, is an extremely start, smart kid, um, very fast processor. I mean, within a couple weeks, he understood the defense pretty, pretty deep. Um, last year. So I, I, that's a reason why he's out there is because of those things. Um, but from from a mobility standpoint, it's really, I mean, these, I mean, covering like what we tried to do when I was in Atlanta and even in Buffalo is if you can get a linebacker covering a running back one-on-one in space, like that's your primary. Like we'd run, we had a three-man concept. It was called Buffalo. It was uh, kind of a now route a clear through route and like a, and a pick, pick curl. And then X receiver on the backside would just want to go just like, Hey dude, get out of town and let, put put the back on a choice route. The back would just be a free release. 
And I mean, Matt Ryan, between and Grant, we had two really good backs, Devontae and Tevin Coleman, but he would sit there and just pop the ball like, dude, 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 come on, come on, get open. I know you're going to beat this guy eventually. Um, so, I mean, we exploited that matchup and, and, and these, I mean, I will say, I don't think our linebackers have been great in coverage this year. I mean, Debo's playing at a high level in the box. Like, yeah. He's got to be leading the team in tackles. The guy has at yep. least two uh, two TFLs every single game. I mean, he's like a missile shooting through there. Um, but I'd love to see a little more production in the pass game from from our linebackers. I mean, if if we're gonna if we're gonna add him and have him play in the box, send him. Let him get home. Let him cause some disruption in there. I, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm not asking you to um, to basically tell us that what we're doing is wrong. Uh, for lack of better words here. Um, but uh, what I am asking is the main differences in the style of defense you can – like I know that there's some defensive coordinators who this is what I run. You know, I run a 4-2-5 or I run a 3-4 or I run a 4-3 or, wh- or whatever that may be, and there's always going to be little, little you know, different deals off of that as far as how they like to call the games and, and, and so on and so forth. Um and then there's some coordinators out there who will make some adjustments with their base defense based on on personnel. Do you ha- do you have any thoughts based on the personnel that we have on defense as to are are, are we maximizing that talent or uh, not not to again not trying to throw Coach White mm-hmm. such a good man under the bus here, mm-hmm. Shane. I don't mean it like that. I, I'm just trying to figure out what we're seeing out there because you see some guys come in, they do some good things, and then you don't really see them much again and. You see, yeah. see some guys in bad spots. Are they being put in bad spots? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, from a, I mean, like Clayton's of like so, some teams live and die. Even in Buffalo, like right now, they're they're a four two five team. Like even if teams line up in twelve personnel or twenty one personnel, Taron Johnson's the nickel, and he's playing Sam linebacker spot. Like they're gonna play what they play, um, and they've become really good at it. Um, but. Uh, the problem really hasn't been stopping the run this year. Like I, I, I mean, I need to pull up the numbers and see what we're giving up. I would imagine it's probably right around a hundred, 110 rushing yards a game, which isn't like, that's not terrible. Um, and, and I know in the passing game, it's been a lot worse. I think we're probably averaging close to 260, 275, maybe North of that uh, game uh, in the past game. But, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess the only thing I would do is I would get Nicky Minore or DQ Smith involved more uh, in the box. Um, I know those guys are were obviously all Americans playing safety last year, um, but I want those guys around the ball more. I want them to have more opportunities to make plays. Um, I think they've done a little bit of that with Jalen Kilgore because he's shown that he can play. Um, he's played at a high level. Yeah. Did he? Did he play much? I, I saw him a little bit in this game, but was he out there? Was was his snap count? Was he out there most of the snaps? I don't know snap count, JC. I'm not sure if you know it. I know he played out. He, he played a bunch. I think he had three or four tackles in the game. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Like, like I know he knocked my, my answer would be either put Nick at Mike linebacker or Will linebacker or even at nickel. Maybe put two guys that are really good at the point of attack, get them more involved in the box, and then have your and your safety valves back there. I mean, Jalen's going to get somebody on the ground. I'm sure you can find another safety to get somebody on the ground. I mean, look at the NFL. Like, linebackers now, um, Fred Warner, six is, is Nick Cuminore, like the exact same person. He might be seven or eight pounds heavier than him. But 
Like he's a six three, long, lanky, really athletic, aggressive, physical guy, and he's playing Mike linebacker. Um, and he's doing it at a really, really high level. Um, so I don't know if there's adjustments you can make with that. I mean, you don't want to take Debo Williams off the field because he's uh, he's at production. But um, that would be yeah. my that would be my two cents is like just get get your more elite players around the ball more um, and twelve yards, eight yards deep, and then have like I don't care who you are, like it'd be it'd be really hard for those guys to tackle me running scot-free at him with 10 or 15 yard head start. I mean, they probably would, but uh, maybe not five years ago. Um, I mean, it's really hard to get those guys in the ground in space, but um, you want those guys to be around the ball more. Pat, final question, and then we'll let you get out of here. It's, it's 1230. I sure don't want you to be late for lunch. Um, you got Jacksonville State. You got Vanderbilt. Uh, it, matter of fact, you, you could really make the argument that the next four weeks, they're all, all the games are at home, and each week is a step up in competition. Yep. Jacksonville State to Vandy to Kentucky to to the Tigers. Gamecocks have a chance to win all of them, yep. um, and um, you can make the argument that they're, you know, they're, they're definitely better than two of them. Yep. And the other two at the end of the year, you can make the argument they're right there in the same bucket of water. And had those teams maybe played the guys that these guys have played, their record might be very similar. Yep. To, to South Carolina's at this point in time, but that's neither here nor there. What is important about this upcoming game against the Jacksonville State Gamecocks sitting at two and six? You have no room for error if you want to go bowling. So yep. just at, from a player's standpoint, coming out of the locker room, these guys walking into the ballpark at uh, 10 o'clock on, on Saturday morning, what is important about this coming Saturday as it pertains to the rest of the season? Uh more about more more of a pride thing than anything. I would say. I mean, you're going in this game. You're like, I mean, these these guys in the locker room got to be pissed. Um, they have to be upset. The seniors that came back, um, guys that out, had the opportunity to transfer that didn't because they wanted to be here and they wanted to play for an SEC championship. All these all these things. But uh, I mean, like my mentality is, we got to go beat these guys by forty. Like we have to go get this thing back going uh, and trending in the right direction. Cause momentum is a beast. Um, I mean, even you look at, you look at major league baseball, look at the Phillies and what they did kind of in their playoff run beating the Braves and all stuff like that is getting hot at the right time. So, I mean, I think if, if we can get tri- headed in the right direction with Jacksonville state with a big win and get some confidence under our belt. Um, and then obviously to do the same thing again against Vandy uh, and Williams Bryce stadium, get the fans back behind your back, supporting you. Um, Willie Beast is a tough place to tough place to play. Uh, and then Kentucky and Clemson, you know, I, mean, I think those games are are both winnable and, and, and coin flips in my opinion. But I think we really got to we gotta we gotta get some positive mojo um and give the guys a reason to want to go out there and play. Um I mean you, you yeah, I mean I, I think you really gotta kind of start fast and then just don't let up. I mean, this ought to be a game where You'd love to see some of the seniors that haven't played much play in this game. Um, you'd love to clear the bench um, because you're up so big against these guys, and uh, and have some of the have some of the older guys pad their stats. I'm not going to let you get out of here without doing this one more time. Uh, Carolina seemed to have virtually no running game at the beginning of the year. We can sit here and diagnose everything there is to diagnose about how poor thus far it's been at two and six. But Mario Anderson, his story is really unique. And when you watch him run, Pat, 
He runs with it a is, purpose, man. It is fun to watch him play football, isn't it? Yep. He, he runs with a purpose. Um, and, you know, he's he's 100% exceeded expectations. Um, and I think he – probably a part of that was is he was a little pissed off because he was the, you know, the transfer that came in. He probably was expecting to have a real chance to come in and start right away, and he didn't. Um and, and and he went and obviously beat out DK and and overstepped uh, or overcame Juju and those guys and he's become the the feature back and he not one guy's bringing him down he runs with a purpose uh, he runs angry uh, he runs a lot like Chris Ivory who I blocked for uh, when I was in Buffalo who played in Jacksonville for a long time just ran out and we just said like Chris man why do you headbutt everybody he's like they don't want to be headbutted so I'm like yeah don't headbutt me either buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so. that's funny yeah he uh he's something and congratulations to denny mcdaniel and the stratford knights for winning the region championship this past friday night as well that's mario's alma mater and his former yep. head coach uh, one of the great football guys in this state you talk about football guys denny mcdaniel is a football guy football guy yep. so is pat demarco your trip was good to, to buffalo you made it home so that's 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 uh, it was awesome time. the bill, bills won so west yep. was on a high note and um, it was a really cool experience. We brought a couple of buddies from Columbia and their boys. Um, so just a big, good, wholesome experience. I think a good, um, a good glimpse into the life that I had when I was playing in the NFL for some of the people here in Columbia to, to experience um, was pretty cool. I mean, we were in the facility three or four hours before the game and we saw all the players and I was able to give hugs and talk to a lot of the staff, talk to actually Coach McDermott for like, the guy gave me like 15 or 20 minutes and just like wanted to sit there and talk and hang out and check it on life. Um, just some all time, great, great people up in that bills organization. Um, and no, it was, it was a great trip. It was like 70 degrees though. It was abnormally hot. I was about to say, well, it could be 70 up there this week. It's like yeah. negative 70 yeah. up there this week, isn't it? So I mean, some of my yeah. buddies were like, what type of weather should we expect? And I was like, uh, probably 55 to 20. Take a guess. <laughs> and it was 70. And they were like, I mean, I, I had a little autograph signing and, and a lot of them, you know, I'm just look like an average normal person. And a couple of people were like, who are you? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm right here. Um, I'm like where, where are you from? And I was like, I live in South Carolina now. And they're like, oh, you brought the weather with you. <laughs> so, so who are you again? Why, yeah, who why are, are you, you here? <laughs> Oh, that's uh, that's funny, man. Well, Pat, uh, first of all, hats off to the Bills uh, for uh, getting a win in, in your honor this past weekend. Hopefully the Gamecocks will uh, fall in line and get four of them this month. Yeah, a little bit chillier up there, 30, uh, 46 today now in Buffalo. That's normal. There we go. Much more normal now in, in Buffalo, New York. And um, look forward to trying to catch up with you this weekend. And a and, uh, bunch of guys, uh, the 10 through 13 teams that will be recognized at halftime of the Gamecocks, the for, for the first time ever in the history of yeah. college football, the Gamecocks versus the Gamecocks yeah. will be played at noon on Saturday. And I look forward to clapping for you during halftime and all that fun stuff. And I'll try to you. make sure Garcia keeps the shirt on. I was about to say, make sure Steven's yeah, got Kurt, his clothes on Kurt, before he walks Kurt, out. Of Kurt Spurrier will be like, yeah, D-Mark, make, make sure you take care. Make sure you take care of Steve. <laughs> yeah. When is, when is Coach Spurrier come to town? Is he getting in on Friday? Uh, I think Thursday night, actually, he, um, in typical Spurrier fashion, he called me last week. Um, he's like, Hey, D Mark, what, what are you, what are you doing with this, uh, with this reunion? Like what, what's your, what's your job? I see your name on all this stuff. 
And I was like, you know, I was working at the university last year. And it was planned to be last year. So I think they just kind of kept my contact information just for kind of name notoriety and just another resource for guys. And I was like, why do you need anything? He's like, nah, I'm just wondering, just, just wondering. And I was like, all right, well, let me know if I can help you with anything. <laughs> I'll have a banquet beer for you when you get, when you yeah, roll in. We'll run a banquet beer, one of the two. Well, all the best to him and Miss Jerry, too, as they make their way up uh, from uh, the sunshine state of Florida. Pat, see you in a few days. Great stuff, man. All right, see you guys. Go Cox. Thanks, buddy. There you go. Talking ball with uh, Pat DeMarco here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show, Marion says, taking my five-year-old grandson to his first game on Saturday. Marion, I'm taking my four-and-a-half-year-old twins to their first game on Saturday. So, uh, really excited uh, to get them in the ballpark and uh, be able to see all the guys that that I went to, kind of went to school with, some of them, and uh, and knew back from that area. That's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully Carolina will get their third win of the year. All right, we will uh, step aside quickly. Plenty more to get to, though. We're served by chicken cock whiskey here on inside the game cox the show hey folks it's jb and as we all know it's football season my favorite place to shop for myself and the family is gamecock traditions in lexington they have the widest selection of gamecocks attire plus all the cool accessories for tailgating cooking kids shoes hats and so much more most importantly for me you can order online at gamecocktraditions.com and it's shipped timely to your door i've been shopping here for years and i hope you will too order online right now on the chief sports app go gamecocks Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in a plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing 
ga.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Final segment, hour two, JC, JB, and Phil here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Palm Casual, we were there a week and a half ago, and you can still go and buy anything that you possibly could imagine for the outdoors. If you've got uh, an outdoor space, then you want to soup it up a little bit, put some nice furniture back there, maybe a fire pit, maybe you need some some chairs, maybe you need just need new something simple like new cushions or something like that, wicker, teak, you name it. It's the outdoor superstore of the world at 350 Holiday Drive up in Somerville. But good news, Aaron Beasley, the owner, owns the one in Mount Pleasant as well. And if you are a little bit closer to the coast, you can head down that way. Uh, If you are coming from out of town and you uh, want to give them a call and ask them, you can even make an appointment with them. Call and tell them you're coming down. They'll make sure they're waiting on you. You can get in there. And I know a bunch of you cleaned it out a couple of weekends ago for the uh, annual warehouse clearance event. But that doesn't mean that they don't have unbelievable stuff. The holidays are right around the corner. You might be one of those families that does the big gift collectively. This could be a great one. Uh, so make sure you head to palmcasual.com. And uh, certainly uh, appreciate all those who have uh, bought a bunch of furniture in there because uh, we know that you have, and we really, really appreciate that. We'll get into a lot of the CFP ranking stuff and so plenty more Gamecocks. It was, hey, hey, look, this was. Um, this was a, an interesting weekend uh, from the stamp of Oklahoma going down. We all talked about that last week. Thought there's a chance. they So they go down to Kansas after the delays and all that stuff. I thought Utah would be better. I thought that I picked them to win the game. Bo Nix and Oregon whipped them, embarrassed them, as a matter of fact, on their own ball, in their own ballpark, 35 to six. One we didn't pick last week. I knew I should have put it on the schedule because they have played really, really well this year. Arizona upsets 11th ranked Oregon State uh, in a game in which Brian Custer could not figure out whether he was calling Oregon or Oregon State in the game. He kept calling them the Ducks for three hours. Nobody could find a way to correct him. I can't figure that out. You had Georgia Tech taking down North Carolina. Every ounce of me wanted to pick that upset on Friday, and I went with the crowd, and I shouldn't have done it. Um, I thought that could happen. There's Georgia Tech. Brent Key's got him, uh, J.C. and Phil, at 3-2 and two in the league. 
four and four in the ACC. They were just awful a couple of years ago, and now uh, they've got another big upset win. Um, you know, Tennessee uh, took care of Kentucky and held on to win 33-27. to 27. I thought Cal was going to pull the upset against USC, but they somehow found a way to hold on at 50-49. to 49. Cal went two at the end and didn't get it. Um, old James Madison survived Old Dominion. I know that doesn't mean a lot to somebody, but it was a really good football game. So it was a neat weekend, and J.C., you hit the nail on the head uh, when we were picking Louisville and Duke. How healthy is Riley and Leonard? Clearly, he was just not healthy. They didn't score a point in the game. Yeah. Uh, one thing that surprised me about Louisville this year, you know, you, you always affiliate Jeff Brom with offense. Their defense is pretty salty. I mean, they played uh, a game against NC State uh, on a Friday night that we watched. <clears throat> I watched it earlier this year, and it was 13 to 10, you know, on, and. Louisville's defense answered the call over and over and over. Uh, I thought they did well against Notre Dame as well. I, I don't know what happened at Pitt uh, with them because <laughs> they yeah. gave up 44 to the mighty Panthers who were struggling to stay the least. But uh, that's kind of the nature of the ACC this year. It's kind of back to being, for all the, the good things we've said about that league this year, it's kind of back to being that you know unpredictable mess where the good teams are losing to the not-so-good teams. I mean, the, the mere fact Miami goes to overtime with Virginia shows me something's wrong down there. I mean, it, it, I know they beat Clemson. I know they beat A&M. But, man, you almost got beat again. Like, you, you almost – so you lost to Georgia Tech. You rally, you beat Clemson, right? Um, you almost lost to Virginia to follow that up. I mean, that's that's unreal. Um, you know, we, we and I'm sure everybody knows about – uh, Clemson's uh, struggles. Um, and uh, Clint asked me what I thought about Dave Dorn's statements about Steve Smith. Man, <laughs> I, I kind of liked it. I kind of like Dave getting a little chippy, you know? Fiery Doran. Yeah. I thought that was – there's been a lot of that this year. You remember the days where it used to be – no comment. That ain't yeah. happening anymore. You know, Kirby, Kirby threw a shot at Mullen this weekend from the podium uh, post game down there at the, at the cocktail party. Dan Mullen for for picking picking the Gators and then basically said, yeah, well, you know, Dan used to be my friend, but uh, you know, he doesn't like recruiting. That was the shot he threw at Dan Mullen. You know, I mean, <laughs> we've been seeing this all year. Uh, you know, it, it, is it? I guess it's good. I don't know. Well, Kirby, to his credit, like doesn't like like earlier when Stoop said what he said about nil. Uh, Kirby said, "I'm not going to take the bait." So to his credit. Uh, he he normally does a good job of staying out of that. But if you ever have a chance to listen to a couple of his and you can't play them on the show because they're full of expletives, his locker room speeches, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. that's where he lets a lot of that out. I mean, and it's not – I mean, it, it'd fire me up if I were a dog. I mean, because he's just like – like against Florida last year, he's like, don't you say a word to these undisciplined MFers. He's like, they won't talk all that S – you let them. This is our year. You got there. You don't say a word. You just point at the scoreboard. You dominate them, and you beat their ass until they don't want to play anymore. I mean, that's <laughs> like, oh, hell yeah. I mean, you yeah. say that to that bunch. I mean, that bunch of monsters they've got. I mean, that gets that gets them fired up. So, uh, I think that uh, – I think Kirby handles it the right way. But there, and to, to your point, though, JB, I, I think it's because there has never been this amount – First of all, I'll say I'll say this before I say that. 
coaches have never made this kind of money before. So, so let's just put that out in the open before we start you know, playing the tiny violin of sadness for them. Okay. But uh, second, though, there's never been the amount of crap college coaches have to, like, deal with right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, because in the back of your mind, you know, you're, you're thinking, I wonder who's, you know, tampering with my players right now. I wonder, I want, you know, there's 85 guys you have on scholarship, 118 on the roster. You can't monitor that. You know, so in the back of your mind, you're worried about that. Uh, I think coaches by nature are very paranoid people, and paranoid people sometimes will lash out, you know, because everybody's, you know, everybody's against me. So here we go. Um, and and I, so I do have some empathy for them this season for being chippy like that, just because, you know, th- these guys, they've got it coming at them from all angles. It, it, it's not just about what happens on Saturdays. Um, and then when something goes wrong on Saturdays, God forbid, uh, you know, everybody wants to fire everybody. I mean, you have Gators wanting to fire Billy Napier again all of a sudden. You know, you, you have hot seat lists by people who are lucky to know that a football is uh, not round. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, you know, just making hot seat lists, putting it out on a blog for, for traffic, you know, uh, some of the guys are not, not, there's no way they'd get fired, you know, um, you you know, you have, you just have a lot going on, you know, whereas even five years ago, you didn't have this much. I mean, it's, it's college coaching has become, you know, quite the (laughs) mission impossible to a certain extent. But also, like I said, these guys are making generational money. Their grandkids don't have to work, you know, now. So so it's hard with the contracts like that to sit there and, you know, have sympathy. But I can empathize with, with having that as your job. I mean, you know, the burnout rate's going to start to get pretty high with college coaching. Because, uh, and I would say if things don't change, but I don't think things are. I mean, I, I think it's a rudderless ship right now you know, the, the NCAA and everything else. So uh, it's sort of a free-for-all. And, you know, the old saying is, to to, to whom much is giving, given, much is expected. So uh, they're getting their money's worth out of college coaches these days. The the Clemson loss to J.C. falling 24-17. to 17, uh, It's I mentioned this earlier as it pertains to the, the Gamecocks. Uh, a lot of the um, – People aren't happy that South Carolina is sitting at two and six. That's not what I'm trying to say. And at the end of the day, nobody would really care what Clemson's record is if Carolina was the, you know, if you reverse that, if they were sitting at six and two or something like that, seven and one, but they're not. Uh, and so, as unhappy as people are, there is, whether anybody wants to believe this or not, it's true. There is a, there, everybody has that small piece in them that looks over and says, well, at least that. At least that team in the upstate isn't headed for the playoff again this year. You know, so it's not making matters worse. That is always going to be the case around here. Everybody's always going to keep their eye on the other one to see what's happening. Um, there is still – there's a great chance still that South Carolina can win that game, much like there's a great chance that Clemson can win that game when they play at the end of the year. With all that said, uh, I find it just incredibly fascinating that the Tigers um, – you know, outside of the Duke game, every game they've lost has been by eight points or less, but they are four and four. There is a, I mean, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina. Uh, N- North Carolina is obviously going through some issues here, but, you know, it, there's a chance that both Clemson and South Carolina, neither one of them are bowl eligible when they play the game the last weekend in November. That's wild. That's yeah, 1994, man. Welcome yeah. back. 
Welcome back. <laughs> Actually, 98 was... 98's the last time they were both... <laughs> or was it, or was it, wait a minute, was it, was O two? was that for a bowl? Like, like when Clemson came in O two. was that They went bowl? to the humanitarian bowl. When did they go to the humanitarian bowl? Was that a one? That was a one. Carolina had bowl wrapped up. Uh, this was something like <clears> O <throat> two. I think was that team that went and got destroyed by Leach and Texas Tech, but it was something like Clemson may have had a F- couple of FCS teams on the schedule and you couldn't count them. So if they'd have lost technically, they had not would not have been going to a bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I know at 04, Carolina had bowl eligibility wrapped up. Clemson, I think, was five and six, or at least needing to win that one. But they both obviously did not go because of the. But yeah, you have to go back to the Tommy Bowden Lou Holtz era to have a matchup like this. I'll say this: I think Clemson's got a much tougher path to get wins in the next three. But would it surprise me? I mean, you know, Notre Dame starting starting tight end is now out for the year. Uh, so Mitchell Evans, they, they, that's a big loss for their offense. Well, they're, they're home too. The Gamecocks are home every game in November. So are the Tigers. So are the Tigers. The place like <clears throat> yeah. I think that, uh, you, know, you know, Notre Dame, um, I, I think Clemson defensively is good enough to hang with anybody. Uh, the problem is their offense is just so suspect – I think their defense gets worn out. And, and I'll say this, talking to my Clemson people, I'm not telling anybody anything that one of them hasn't said. Uh, that The defense is good, but it does, they don't play with that edge that they used to have under Venables. It, it's it's still good. They're still talented. You're still going to have a hard time blocking them. Their linebackers are elite. They have elite players on that side of the ball. But there's just not that edge. You know, there, there there's breakdowns that happen at inopportune times. Uh, and things like that, but it's uh, hey, it wouldn't surprise me if Clemson won the next three. They came in seven and four. I don't uh, think they will, though. I, I think they'll win. I don't. I think they'll either win one or two, but they. I don't think they'll win on three. I think you're probably looking at two and one. Realistically, I think they'll be six. Although they'll have a bowl wrapped up, but uh, you know, because I, I think I don't know that. I mean, that offense has been waiting to break out all year. North Carolina's probably a good recipe for it. I don't know that Georgia Tech has the the, the wherewithal to hang in with them defensively at all because um, that's two bad defensive teams. Now, Notre Dame will probably be like a slobber fest, like a like a slobber knocker. Uh, like it'll be pound the ball, play defense, uh, that type of ball game uh, on Saturday. But, you know, that's what happens with Dabo. Once, once you, say, you think you got him and you think he's down, he pulls a rabbit out of his hat. That's the way Clemson normally rolls, you know, even going back to the Bowden era. Uh, but, you know, Carolina's got to worry about Clemson when the time comes. Uh, I, I think regardless of what happens uh, to them the next three weeks, if Carolina wins the next three, I definitely think they match up well. I definitely think that's a different Gamecock team that, that, that you're playing, one with a lot of confidence having won three in a row. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to put the card ahead of the horse at all. We'll talk more about that when we get there, if we get there, uh, I think the, the focus has to be on the other Gamecocks this week. And then the fo- it's got to be intense focus on Vandy, intense on Kentucky. And then if you, if you make it to Clemson and you still got a shot uh, at getting to 500 and get to a bowl, great. Uh, I think it's uh, it's all of a sudden a raucous atmosphere at Williams-Brice. Uh, and and you put everything into the game and, and, and shoot your shot and let the chips fall where they may. But, uh, you know, the season's not over, folks. I mean, it, it's – 
depressing. It's sad. I'm sitting here, you know, I was probably a little bit more light in my game thoughts today on Big Spur than than how I actually feel. Uh, I mean, it's disgusting to be at two and six right now, but it is what it is. And, you know, as, as does happen around here, sometimes we can all let it snowball. We can all let it spiral out of control. You can have another embarrassing loss like to App State or Furman back in the eighties or Pacific or, you know, name your Citadel twice, name those teams that have come in here and beat Carolina and, and made a bad year. Awful. Or you can rally, get behind the team, understand that injuries and schedule have played a big part in this two and six start. Uh, understand this schedule is unprecedented. I, I, I can't believe we're going to November. Carolina's had two SEC home games, three home games, period. Three home games, period, in two months. Yeah. Come on, man. And, 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 and we know Beamer's teams play better at home. Now, the Florida loss was bad. I agree. But the rest of them, yeah, you know, I mean, hey, they're they're not un, they're not shockers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so so just don't let the shockers happen. I mean, like I said, uh, if these four games were at the start of the season, uh, let, let's take let's even take Clemson out of it. Say the say Vandy and Kentucky and Jack State. That was your your three straight openers. Well, Carolina probably start three and out. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying earlier. You know, if this if 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 this was usually that's what happens in September. You, you get a bunch of you get a bunch of games that get you going and get you feeling good, and then you try to figure it out from there. Uh, it's been quite the opposite this year uh, for South Carolina. One quick note on that Clemson Notre Dame game coming up this weekend as we, it's time to step aside for a break. Uh, the Irish have announced that Mitchell Evans, that's their team's leading receiver at tight end, he's out the rest of the year torn mm-hmm. ACL. Uh, so that's a big loss. Uh, for Notre Dame. All right, uh, more on the Gamecocks and Gamecocks, more on the rest of the college football landscape. And we'll continue to take your questions, comments, and concerns out of the Nana Sports chat box. It's Halloween. You're on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. 
In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Shade Pass 1, final hour, final week, kind of, of the month of October, because this week also starts the month of November. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, live always from the Sinorama Studios, they are the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, thanks to Matt Vaughn. He is a great Gamecock, like all of you. If you need anything in the sign world, literally anything, your business, your home, your baseball fields, the rec department, whatever it is, sign, 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 signs. Even if you think, ah, they probably don't do that. I'll bet you they do. They do literally everything. Signorama.com, home in West Columbia. 12 o'clock kick announced by the league for the Gamecocks and the Vanderbilt Commodores. I was going to say Commodores. Do you remember uh, the old days when they used to have – um, Leonard's Losers on. That's what they called them, the Vanderbilt Commodores on Leonard's Losers. 
so it's a noon kick on the SEC Network at williams Bryce. Uh, not this coming Saturday, but the following, of course. Also at noon on ESPN, Bama at Kentucky. And the only other games, there are two other games that are firm. Auburn at Arkansas at four on the SEC Network. And at uh, 7.30, Saturday night, November the 11th, Mississippi State at Texas A&M on ESPN2. There is a six-day hold on Florida at LSU, Ole Miss at Georgia, and Tennessee at Missouri. I had a feeling they might do that uh, to wait on the outcomes of this upcoming weekend's ball games. Um, and uh, so those will all be between the uh, 3.30 CBS, 7 o'clock ESPN, and 7.30 SEC Network slot. Uh, but uh, Gamecocks and Doors, it'll be back-to-back weekends early at williams Bryce Stadium, noon kickoff. Hmm. So there you go. No surprise. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I I I I um I love the night games. Um love them, absolutely love them. And um but I I also enjoy being able to kind of get home by you know 6 o'clock or so and and be able to kick kick it into gear just watch football at night kind of chill. Um so I'm I'm all right with that. Yeah, no, it'll be nice. Yeah, I'm taking the family, like a lot of us, apparently, on Saturday. So, yep. uh, yeah. Great man, day for the family. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great day. Great day for them. There's no doubt about that, Phil. And as a matter of fact, with that being a noon kick afterwards, you'll be able to – you got Bedlam at 3.30, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You got um, uh, Missouri and Georgia at 3.30 on CBS. Uh, that night, you got Washington on the road at – at Southern Cal, you got LSU at Alabama. I mean, you got you got some pretty good stuff uh, after this this weekend's game wraps up. So JC mentioned earlier, uh, you know, not being able to figure out Miami. I, I I just think it's the Miami culture. I just think there's a, I think they get up for the big games and they and they they don't for the other ones. I just think it is what it is. That's just kind of where we are. Um, with that said, though, only a couple of weeks ago, Miami was a team. Like, could we potentially – I guess you still could, but doesn't seem likely at this point. Could we potentially see a Florida State-Miami ACC title game? Boy, that would be neat, yada, yada, yada. Um, right now, it's leaning towards Florida State and Louisville. Uh, the uh, Cardinals at 4-1, and 7-1 in the league. And then anybody know who's sitting right behind Louisville? Again, Virginia Tech would like yeah. a word. Yeah, Virginia Tech. <laughs> That's right. After after they started one and three with losses to Purdue on the road at Rutgers and on the road at Marshall, you thought, "Oh my God!" You know, Brent Pry. He's he, he won't he he's gonna have to sleep in the office. They're not gonna let him out of the ballpark. And since then, they've won three or four. Now, nobody they've beaten is any good. Okay, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and Syracuse. They are a combined two and eleven in the ACC. Um, and they got to go to Louisville this weekend. So that's kind of where I was going with that. You've got Louisville and Virginia Tech for sole possession of second place in the ACC. Florida State, I'm going to be stunned if anybody wins the league other than Florida State. I'm pretty sure all of the world, the college football world, would be stunned on that. But there's, we thought the ACC was maybe a little bit better earlier in the year. You know, guys, kind of here we are again. You know, there's that one top dog, and then they're just kind of everybody else. You're just kind of all there. You know, nobody's really, nobody's really doing anything. Only two ranked teams, Louisville and Florida State. Right. 
the Cardinals, uh, that's a big one against Virginia Tech. If you're Louisville, you need to stomp on that campfire and put it out, you know, because uh, the Hokies are all of a sudden three and one in the league. Virginia Tech wins that one. Yeah, ah, man. Then they got they've kind of got a, a little bit of an inside track, guys. If you kind of look at their schedule, which is you know amazing. I mean, they got good athletes up there, but man, after Louisville, it's at Boston College, which is never easy. NC State at home and at Virginia. So yeah. Virginia Tech wins at Louisville Saturday. I think they're the, the team with the inside track to play FSU in Charlotte, which sounds crazy to say. They because, good play. Lord, they got, uh, you know, they got it handed to them in the non-conference. So, uh, and, but that's that's when the ACC is bad, that's what happens. Bad teams sometimes get hot, play for the conference championship, even without divisions. So, uh, I think we're back to the same old, same old <clears throat> with that. Uh, Clemson, uh, I think, is pretty much out of going to, a, to Charlotte. Uh okay but could still, you know, make things problematic. North Carolina's not completely out of it, but, man, they got they can't lose another one. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you, you got some options there, but Louisville should probably take – I would think they would take care of business, right? And they, I mean, with the exception of that pit game where I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, they've been really solid all year and a big win over Duke, obviously. So we'll see kind of what happens there. But uh, – you know, certainly things have changed in Blacksburg, at least short term, and they're going to town to try to get a big one. And if they do, uh, you know, like I said, Boston College, Virginia, NC State, it's very manageable for the Hokies. Yeah, I think yeah, Louisville the, dodged a bullet. This is not on the CW, and it's on the ACC network, so they should be okay. <laughs> yeah, I, it, 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 yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the Tigers run – um just it it seems it seems over you know uh it seems that way i know they they won the acc champ we're one year removed they won the title game last year right <clears throat> and they've won eight they've played in what nine so they've won uh since since 2005 they've played in nine acc championship games and they've won eight of them they're eight and one which is remarkable yeah. um but but this would be the second uh, – they did – while they won the league last year, this would be the second year because they didn't make the – they didn't make the um, the game in 21. So this would be the second time in three years they didn't even make the championship game. And it just – I don't know, man. I, I – watching that game this weekend – and this is a Carolina show. It's not a Clemson show, but it's our show. Um. Dabo looks just – and they all look tired when you're losing. You know, everybody looks tired when you're losing, but he does. And you listen to him talk. I mean, he, he's – he's he's I don't know. There's something that's – he's frustrated. I get that. I know he's frustrated. You can tell he's frustrated. But it, it just looks, uh, you know, like he's – I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Something's off. We, yeah. we see this look yeah. from time to time with coaches, and it doesn't end well. It just looks off. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can – closer people are talking about a hard reset. You know, in other words, Dabo needs to clean house and fire coaches and, and, and get in the portal and, and, and kind of bring Clemson to the modern, you know, era of college football. I know their boosters are excited about getting that NIL thing together and using it uh, like other schools, right? 
Um, I hope if you're South Carolina that the lack of NIL, embracing NIL, whatever's happened, you know, this year, you know, maybe being slow on some coaching changes, maybe not, who knows, didn't cost you a chance. And then they bounce, they, they make the changes necessary. They bounce right back up. Historically, that's what's happened around here. Historically. But this one feels a little different, though, because I'm not so sure that Dabo is going to embrace everything. And I'm not so sure coaches that have had his type of success want to or feel the need to. I agree with you. I, 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 I think, think yeah, it's spot on. I've seen one coach that's great. What does he have to prove? Nothing. Yeah, I, I've seen one coach that's great that said that was given the time to kind of reinvent the wheel, sort of not necessarily midstream, but up the stream a bit, and that's Joe Paterno at Penn State. But they went through some like they didn't have years like Clemson's having. They went through like your three and eight, two and nine. They were <laughs> rock bottom. And then he decided, hey, I got to make some changes. He made them, and they were right back up there uh, and pretty good, really, even towards the end of his career at Penn State. So that's few and far between, uh, you know, as far as things like that uh, that happen. Most of the time, it's situations that end up kind of like Mac Brown at Texas where, okay, 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 I'll, I'll do this. Uh, okay, 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 I'll do this. And, and it just no matter what they do, it doesn't come together. I mean, Clemson went out and hired – who everybody considered to be the greatest uh, available offensive coordinator in the country. Mm-hmm. And you still see the same issues. Now, is it talent? Is it coaching? Is it the quarterback? I don't know. Uh, I, I just know that, you know, there was one change that I think he kind of, you know, they were like, Hey, you need to make this, you need to go get this, you need to improve. And so if you're him and, and you've already kind of taken like the bait that everybody says you should take, and then this is what you got, four and four, and what, four SEC, ACC losses right now? Are you really going to go listen again and say, well, yeah, that's what I got to do? Because they didn't build that program by doing what the mainstream does. They built that program by saying, we're Clemson, we're going to do it the Clemson way. This is the Clemson way, and it won national championships for them. Yeah. So it's a it is a tricky, tricky situation. Uh, up there, I, I think, in terms of the future, the past, uh, all that good stuff. It's not coming at a very good time with everything that's going on in college football either. Um, but uh, I'm not so sure. Look, and, and if they do it, more power to them, great. Mm-hmm. If, if Dabo is sitting there with with new coaches next year and he's right, these are the pieces to the next national championship, great, super. But – it, it, it just historically, I've, I've just never seen it where a coach with that much success hits a rut, blows it all up, changes his philosophy in a lot of key core areas, and then restarts. Uh, like I said, I saw it with Joe Paterno uh, at Penn State, but I think he was at Penn State like 26 years before uh, he made those changes. So uh, they say uh, leopard, leopards don't change their spots easily. Uh, and so that would be my question about just neutrally looking at Clemson right now. That's interesting. You think that the Garrett Riley experiment being a failure up to this point, and if it holds, you know, that offense just doesn't move the ball on anybody, could be proof of concept of Dabo's way being the right way and not, you know, 
an inferior quarterback play or, <laughs> you know, just well, a defense not having that nastiness to it like it used to. That's interesting. Well, Streeter, Streeter had a better year than this guy. I know. Yeah, that's what I I'm mean, saying. Like, yeah. It, I mean, it, part of it may be K. K. Uh, I was I was correct. This Kublik. Klubnik. Klubnik. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. I've, I've had a bad year with name pronunciations. Um, but uh, Cade, just for lack of yeah. better, so I get it right. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think he's that good. I'll say no, it. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there was an article on 24-7 Sports where basically blamed Dabo uh, for it. I, I, don't know, and, and I don't know that it's Dabo's fault. I don't think the kid's that good. I never thought he was a five-star. I thought he was you know, kind of your normal Texas quarterback. I don't know what he did at what camp to impress anybody. But it's not like do – you, do you guys look at his arm and go, my God, that kid's got so much talent. I don't. He doesn't run it all that great. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe it's just that he doesn't have receivers. I know they struggle, they're struggling at receivers. But I I don't know. I, I don't – I don't – I agree. I, I said that Saturday watching the game. I don't, I don't think he's that good. Uh, I think that he he's got some incredible talent. There's a reason why everybody in the country recruited him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you mentioned a harder reset. I think this kid needs a harder reset. I think he is he's he's in a, a his second system in two years. Um, there is a lot of pressure that comes with being the quarterback at Clemson. DJ Uyunga Lale proved just that. Uh, a guy who's actually played very well out at Oregon State, a lot better than he played at Clemson. But, you know, it sure was difficult for him to step into the shoes of Trevor Lawrence, who had no issue stepping into the shoes of the, of Deshaun Watson. Uh, and, and just, you know, those guys were elite guys. Since then, each quarterback that has run out onto that field has been expected to be at that level. I mean, you're talking about, what are you talking about, six years of elite quarterback play? I mean, look at those guys, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And so, and so since that you run out nope. there – there's a lot of pressure on you, and um, and I just I think there's just a magic potion that is that is missing. And then you got Notre Dame coming in. This is the first time Notre Dame's been here since or to Clemson since the Bring Your Own Guts game in 2015, Guts. and they're coming in with a quarterback uh, who has lit up the midnight sky the last couple of years against the Tigers' defense. He's thrown for 749 yards and seven touchdowns. <laughs> in the last two years against the Clemson damn. defense, you know, so, you know, damn well what Notre Dame's going to come in here and try to do. And they got estimated running back. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, they're reeling, they're reeling. And I don't think it's been so long since they have been through anything like this up there guys. And I don't think they know what the answer is. And uh, that's just, you know, for Gamecock fans, that's something to celebrate. I'm with you. I'm right in line with you. For you know, for that Tigers football program, it's a little scary. I'm not, and I'm not sure it's as simple as hey, it's like 2010 all over again. I, I that 2010 team sort of had some guys that, I mean, they, they Speller left the year before in '09. They didn't really replace him. Um, you know, Jamie Harper is okay. The next year, Andre Ellington got going, and Taj Boy got going, and Sammy Watkins was a freshman, and they won the ACC. Uh, that year, but uh, you know, I, I'm not so sure it's that easy. I, I think there's, you know, and, and we're in a different era. 
I mean, we're we're in a, we're in an era where everybody else, okay, we we got a bunch of guys that didn't pan out. We're going to run them off and go to the portal and get six guys, you know. Yeah. And 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 this, I, I think from a just a Clemson standpoint, you know, you're 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 still two years ago, a year ago, you're still one of the hot programs in college football. You know, you watched them last year, and yeah, they lost to Carolina and didn't make the playoff, but they so they were one point away from making the playoff, right? Uh, essentially, uh, they were they won the ACC. The bowl game was the bowl game, but whatever. Um, and they, they're still they were still in a position as a program to attract just about anybody they wanted to go get, and they just didn't. And even when when even Alabama and Georgia are filling needs in the portal, I mean, I think I think that's a sign you can't just. You know, especially with the way Clemson recruits, because Clemson also they people people mistaken this. Yeah, they're signing a bunch of five stars, four star guys, but the second part, second that second group in their classes is usually either made up of guys that you go, holy hell, how'd they evaluate this guy like Tyler Brown, mostly from in state, or it's guys that never play. You know, they're they've been fortunate too, injury bug wise, up there for a long, long time. You know, they haven't had the injury South Carolina has at all through the years. Uh, but their depth at in Georgia level depth or Bama level depth or Ohio state level depth either. Uh, and, and so when you don't have, when you're missing that depth and then you miss on maybe one or two receivers that aren't as good as you thought, then your receiving core suddenly needs help. You know, guys do get, and guys have gotten banged up, you know, the, the kid from Myrtle beach, uh, you know, so anyway, don't want to talk, um, don't want to talk too much about Clemson, but uh, well, yeah, but I, I mean, I'll, but it, but it is it's, it's relevant. It's relevant. It is very relevant. I mean, this is the state of South Carolina, and everybody spends three hundred and sixty-five days a year worrying about them, anyways. It's absolutely relevant. I mean, these guys are struggling. If you're South Carolina, and they haven't had a chance to do it, they haven't recruiting, as JC has noted a thousand times here. They're whipping the Tigers in in-state recruiting, but this is this is kind of a this is kind of a moment here. You know, you beat them on their own field last year, and you got them coming to your ballpark in four weeks. And you know, I mean, we're all anxious to see what type of team they walk in here with. Have they lost another couple of games before they get here? Have they gotten hot? I mean, this is a moment for for Gamecock football. All everybody did was bitch and moan every freaking year about losing to this program over and over and over. Pardon my French, but that's all everybody did was complain, complain, complain. Now they suck, as per their standards. They suck, per their standards. And Carolina has an opportunity to take advantage of it. And all of a sudden, people don't want us to talk about it? Go find another show. I don't care. This this matters. You know, this matters right now for South Carolina in the position that they're in and the position that team in the upstate is in, period. I mean, I, I'm with you. and I think it all matters. I, I think – Jacksonville State, what they've done to the to this state matters. Uh, I think that Vanderbilt, uh, Vanderbilt's got Auburn this weekend. You know, uh, that's kind of a tricky game for Auburn going up there. Auburn struggles sometimes on offense. Vandy does have enough offense, I think, to be in that game. Vandy's gotten better on offense, but you know, they're Vanderbilt's. Ter- you want to talk about terrible? I mean, they've they're not good. They they they've had some moments. They you know Georgia kind of let their foot off their throat. Uh, they 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 don't run the ball. They don't even try to run the ball <laughs> mostly. Um, so you can't let them. You know, and their defense just gives up yards and points like it's going out of style. 
but I think it's relevant what they do. Uh, you know, everybody talks about Kentucky like they're, you know, the Alabama Crimson Tide from the 70s. Uh, they got a game. This, all right, so they got their next two are in a, at Mississippi State, whose back is against the wall, but it's on the road. It's down there. Uh, Kentucky's lost three straight, including again to Tennessee. Yeah. Right. Then Alabama comes to Kroger Field for a noon kickoff November 11th. Win or lose, <laughs> that's that that place. I mean, I think it's been like 15 years since Alabama's been up there, if I'm not mistaken. That playing Alabama can take your soul out. So then they're coming to Williams Rice the next week, maybe having lost five in a row or at least four out of five. Uh, you know, I mean, and then you got Clemson, and and they've got three. Difficult games, but they're all at home. So we'll see. I mean, you know, South Carolina, we always look at it through a bubble, right? But you have to understand there's, man, there's <laughs> there's other, you know, other teams go through adversity and and, and many times turn it around. Uh, and a lot of it is a function of schedule and, and who they're playing. Um, and, and there's not been a team in the country that's played the schedule South Carolina has. There absolutely has been – one one game you could maybe say was a break, uh, and that was that was Furman, and, and Furman is one of the best teams in FCS, uh, and came to town and played a good ball game. So, I mean, let's be a little more. I mean, it, there's one thing being realistic and, and wallowing in the doom and gloom, but there's nothing being realistic and saying, okay, this just isn't like other years where there were four, three or four cupcakes in September and. You know, you can you can rest on that for the rest of the season and get to a bowl. Um, this year, the tough part of the schedule was at the beginning. Yeah, you know, everything from lack of home games to a quality of opponent. You know, the only game I look at and go, man, it should have had that is Florida. You know, just just being honest, every other team South Carolina's lost to is better. You know, and, and you can say North Carolina's not better now. But if, if they came to Columbia or they played in Charlotte next week, I think Carolina's got a pretty shot, good shot to beat him. <laughs> but but at the time, you know, North Carolina was just better as an opener. So uh, I, I think that uh, the opportunity has to be, you know, embraced. And, uh, and, and you got to look at it like that because there's nothing to be done about the first eight games. You can't change it. You can't change it. And, and, and I don't think that it's, it's wise to just jump to, all right, coaching changes in portal and new roster because there's still so much left on the table. It's important for this university to beat Clemson. It's yeah. important for South Carolina to beat Kentucky, considering the recent history there. It's important for South Carolina not to lose to teams like Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. All four of these games have meaning when you're talking about the big picture. So it's not time to wave the white flag yet. You know, there, there, There'll probably be changes made after this year, don't get me wrong. But you, you have to, you know, you have to kind of look at it right now uh, more like an opportunity than woe is me where we are, where we're at, because when, when that starts to set in and, and hopefully it doesn't set it inside the building, uh, that's when you lose to Jacksonville state at home. That's when that happens is when teams just like, I don't care anymore. It's over, you know, and it's not, it's hanging on by a thread, yep. but it's not. Gamecocks uh, first eight opponents are combined 45 and 13, their final four. 18 and 16 per JC's notes a minute ago of what is coming up on the schedule. It is 1.28 p.m. here, the day before Halloween or Old Hallow's Eve, as they 
called it. I don't know if they still do or not. Gamecock traditions in Columbia can get you looking good for the Jacksonville. Like you bring it. How many people were in the chat box today saying they're bringing they're bringing their kids for the first time? Why don't you take them? Why don't you run them by there on Friday if you're going to be in town? Run them by Gamecock traditions maybe after the game Saturday and uh, and go get them a, a special shirt or something for their first game. Uh, maybe a, maybe it's a football you want to take out there and see if you can get some players to sign it or something like that. Gamecock Traditions is the one-stop shop for everything when it comes to Carolina athletics. And, of course, if you aren't going to be at the game and you can't go to Lexington because you don't live in the area, or get, just order online. They send it to you. That's what I do. Uh, they just send it to the house. We plan on taking our children in there this weekend uh, to let them pick out something special for their first home game first game in general outside of a spring game. Uh, maybe maybe they, someone else can make that a tradition as well. GamecockTraditions.com in Lexington. All right, uh, plenty still to get to. Still a half hour left in our program. Tomorrow night, the college football playoff rankings will debut for the first time in 2023. Who, who's going to be in there? Who's going to be in there? We'll take a look at that more when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how bourbon whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game packs. This crowd, the atmosphere that's going to be in that stadium, ready to explode just as they do each time. They're fighting game packs are introduced. 
And so this frenzied crowd ready for the kickoff. And the rave breaks down in Columbia. And what you're about to see is a spectacle unto itself. Let's enjoy. It won't be a night kick, but we will certainly be excited to get back. Finally, as JC pointed out, it has been really weird. Uh, get back to Williams Bryce Stadium. I mean, I three think. three home games, dude. I mean, yeah, so far I, it's November. It's, yeah, it, uh, it. I will say this because uh, I've been to every um, been to every game. I've been to Charlotte and then every home game. Uh, weather's been great and all, except for the, the Furman game, the beginning of it, uh, mm-hmm. when I, we got out there early that day and the pouring rain and the wind that sucked, but it's, it had, it hadn't been hot and it's not going to be hot this coming weekend. So we dodged that bullet this year in Columbus yeah. hats off to the college football gods for making sure nobody died of heat exhaustion at, um, at Williams. Sure. Yeah. They just gave, gave them with two and six record. Yeah, but you know, I, I'd much rather be two and six than hot. And and eighty degrees in Columbia, Missouri, which is very curious considering certain things that I won't bring up right now. Anyway. Uh, that's right. All right, uh, tomorrow night uh, on Halloween, which, by the way, today, Phil, in your honor, is National Candy Corn Day. So have at it, pal. All right, uh, go for it. You, you just litter yourself with candy corn, do whatever you want to do, and uh, bathe in the candy you know, corn. That just, bowl was a little tighter than I had expected it to be. Sleep in it. Yeah, you can't get who, what, what, who won the bowl? Oh, I think it was. Is it the haters? I think. I think the haters won the poll, but it was by a thin margin. Way to go, boys. Way to go, girls. All of you candy corn haters, step into my office. I'm with you. I agree with you. Yeah, I'm All with right. the, the great Mike Leach, rest his soul, hated candy corn. But yeah. he liked other things. So. No, screw it. That place, they suck. All right. Uh, tomorrow night, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State. Those are the top four via the AP. Washington is right behind them, also at 8-0. It's between those five teams as to who's going to be in the top four. I don't know that it's going to be any different from the way the AP looks right now, guys. I think it's going to look exactly like that. Maybe Ohio State at two, but I because they have a better resume than Michigan. But I don't know that it looks any different than that. Washington's margin of victory is what's going to get them because they've struggled the last two weeks against not-so-good yeah. football teams, probably, probably the bottom two teams in the Pac-12. That's going to get them when you compare to Michigan. But when you compare to who they've played to Michigan, there's no comparison. They've, they've played a much tougher – Michigan has not played anyone good. Of course, things like Nebraska. By the way, the Huskers are on a three-game win streak and could win the Big Ten West, just to tell everybody. I'm not going to talk about the offensive coordinator out there, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, which I, I, I would be happy for their fans because they have such great fans. Um but uh, anyway, uh, you know, things like that kind of help Michigan's cause. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's probably, you know, Florida State. What, what, what are, Florida State's got two, two good wins. I mean, the Clemson win still counts because it's at Clemson uh, as a good win. And then beating LSU by 21, the opener is going to go a long way for FSU. So the order may be a little different. But, uh I think Georgia should be number one uh, just because Georgia's schedule hasn't been as weak as maybe people have thought. Ohio State, though, they, I mean, who has two better wins than those guys at Notre Dame and Penn State at home? 
Uh, I don't know. That's exactly. That's why I was saying there's, you know, maybe Ohio State slips into two just because mm-hmm. of the resume. I think it depends on the committee, right? I mean, what are they what are they valuing right now? If, and it you changes. Know, I, I mean, is it just the results versus whom you played? I mean, it's not just that. I get it. But do they value that more than what their own eyes are telling them about the football team? I mean, keep in mind, Ohio State and Michigan are play at the end of the year. So somebody's going to, you know, somebody's going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think what I'm – I'm not really as curious about who's in the top four. I am much more curious about who the next six are. Um, because – so Oklahoma crushed themselves by getting beat by Kansas on Saturday. They're not out of it. But they crushed themselves. And it's interesting, Texas beat Oklahoma. I mean, uh, Oklahoma beat Texas earlier in the year. And now Oklahoma's got a loss on the road at Kansas. But what is the likelihood? Texas right now is ranked number seven. I think Oklahoma comes in at 10. So what is the likelihood that Oklahoma, who beat Texas, is ranked below the Longhorns in the college football playoff rankings tomorrow? Yeah, Probably. Go ahead, Phil. (laughs) No, I was going to say, I mean, I, I would say they probably will put them behind Texas and then yeah. in a sort of a prove it mode. And Kansas may have just ruined the Big 12's chances of getting in the playoff. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially. I don't know. You, well, and you're wrong. I, I, but they may have, but I don't yeah. know. Here's the thing what if Oklahoma. And, and now the standings are weird. It's like, Mm-hmm. Iowa State is technically in the hunt to go to the, the championship game. They're four and one in the league. Yeah, with that win. Yeah. With that win the other day. And so, man, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where if you if you look at a conference that should be out, uh, I think I think it would I think it'd have to be the ACC if if Florida State happens to screw up and lose one. Yeah. Uh first and foremost, they're on the chopping block first and then I think the Big Twelve would be right after them, um, and, I, and I, it's hard. That's hard for me to say, just because I think one of the great things about the Big Twelve is they have parity. But I don't. I don't think you should be punishing the Pac twelve teams right now. I, I, you know, Oregon by any if you if you if you're counting eyeball test at all, man. You know, it's uh, it, it it's Oregon's a great football team. I mean. You don't just – you're not man enough most of the Saturdays to walk into Rice-Eccles Stadium and blow those jokers out. Not just beat them, they blew them out. Like they weren't even – they looked like they didn't belong on the same field as, as, as Oregon. Is that the most impressive win by an undefeated team this year? Uh, well, they're not undefeated. Or no, not Oregon. Yeah, because Oregon did take that loss. But is that the most uh, impressive by yeah by one of the top tier teams this year? That's like, one of them. Yeah. I think I think Texas and Alabama would be the other. Yeah, that was uh, that I would bring up. Thinking about are you and, talking about in general or on the road? Just in general, but but like, yeah, is, I mean, on the road obviously it makes it tougher. Like, what I is mean, the most impressive win of the year? Yeah, what's the yeah. most impressive win yeah. um, among the teams that are in the mix? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. If you're still in it, if you're if you're one loss oh, or less. Well, I mean, Florida State against LSU was. I mean, they beat them by three touchdowns. Had to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I think LSU's lost to Ole Miss. Takes some shine off of it, but mm-hmm. LSU's still a damn good football team. 
But when you um, consider what Utah's defense has been doing to teams up until I mean, this point, and Ohio then to do it at the end. What about Ohio State and Notre Dame? I mean, all this is still going to play an impressive, out. These- impressive win for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, like, Ohio State has probably the best resume yeah. going into this, you know. O- Oregon's win was just so thorough. I mean, you just, like I said. Yeah, it was complete. That, you yeah. look at the recent history of the Pac-12, there are not very many teams, Oregon included, that have marched into their – I mean, I joke about the man enough stuff, but there are really not very many teams that have been man enough. Game day's there, everything else. I mean, you know Utah, at the very least, is a physical football team. You have to match their physicality. Oregon did it then some. I mean, that's they're playing defense out there. I know they lost a shootout to Washington, and Washington's a really good team, especially on offense. Uh, maybe Washington comes back and – you know, sometimes when you when you have a, a couple of games like like they've had, you win them and then you wake back up and you're you're dominant again. But man, oh man, Oregon beating Utah like that, I think that puts them right back in it. Uh, and I think you have to respect the strength of the Pac-12 if you're the committee this year. You know, whereas in years past, everybody just wrote it off. It's like, oh, it's a BS league or whatever, man. The play out there is too good. The quarterbacks are too good. The teams are too good. The coaches are too good to just say, oh well. You know, it's uh, they're just they're not a good league because one team wasn't able to go through undefeated. So, yeah, fair. All right, let me let me let me pose this to you then. With all that said, and I and I'm not, I think that look, we're SEC guys. We see through that lens. Not saying that what I'm about to say here is true. I'm not saying it's not true. Um, Michigan could potentially stake a claim for being ranked number one tomorrow night. Okay. Uh, Georgia, between those two teams, Michigan and Georgia, they have combined for exactly one ranked win this year. And that the dogs got it 51 to 13 at Kentucky. All right. So not exactly that impressive now, based on what we're seeing out of the Wildcats, in my opinion. But when you go look, at Michigan, you 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 eyeball it. You eyeball the schedule, and then if you actually go look a little bit, they're they're very comparable. And Michigan, first of all, hasn't given up over ten points in any game this year. But look, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, please. Okay, they beat Rutgers thirty-one to seven. Please, right? Well, Rutgers is six and two and three and two in the league. That's respectable for the Scarlet Knights. Mm-hmm. They went on the road. You just pointed it out a minute ago. Look, Nebraska is five and three, three and two. They beat them in Nebraska, forty-five to seven. Keep in mind, if Nebraska had won the game, they'd be six and two, four and two. Remember, these records are always only dependent on based on the, the team that you're talking about if they played each other. Uh, they went to Minnesota and won fifty-two to ten. Minnesota is in first place in the West. All right, they beat Indiana fifty-two to seven. Indiana is awful, and they beat Michigan State forty-nine to nothing. Michigan State is awful, but they did exactly as you say all the time, JC. Do what you're supposed to do, and they have mm. done that. So, I mean, like, it is ri- Michigan, although they, they don't have the signature win, Phil, you pointed that out a minute ago, they'll have every opportunity to get it in a couple of weeks on the road at Penn State. Um, and then, of course, they've got Ohio State at the end of the year. But, like, if Michigan has done enough to be the best team in college football where the committee says, we think that you – are more impressive than Georgia, and you're number one, that buys them a loss. 
because they could lose a close game later in the year and very much not even be close to falling out of the top four. That's a good point. Yeah, they got two top ten teams left. Uh, You know, in the case with Georgia, they're going to have to earn it too. They have three straight top 25 opponents starting Saturday with Missouri and then Ole Miss Miss, and then Tennessee. I mean, they're, and then at it's at Georgia Tech. The only thing about that game I can say is it's probably not going to be ninety percent dog fans this year. Maybe sixty. <laughs> They'll at least some some jackets will show up because it's at least they at least have an offense and, and all I, that good stuff. I don't think that that game is just going to be a blowout. I don't think Georgia loses. But yeah, I, I mean, it's one they're they're, they're going to have to. Dude, Brent Key has put a lot of pride back into that Georgia Tech uniform. They're gonna have to be man enough. That's that's for sure. <laughs> March into Grant Field, yeah. Bobby Dodd Stadium. You know, no, I mean seriously. I, I think I think I think Tech can play with them. Has a team to play. Haynes King, who uh, you know, maybe, maybe Jimbo wishes he had. King. I mean, there's a reason Jimbo kept trying to put Haynes King out there, and he kept struggling. Haynes King's dealing now, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just. Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think uh, I do. I, I I am bullish though on on the Pac-12. As long as nobody drops anything else, you know that they shouldn't. Uh, I am bullish on that league, and and do think that maybe maybe a one loss Pac-12 does get in this year, just because top to bottom, mm. you know, it, it's it's one of the most competitive teams leagues in the country. So you've got. The- yeah, so you're 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 right. You're right. It it is a neat league. I mean, I mentioned earlier Arizona's five and three. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, you, you've got you've got UCLA's got her, you know having a nice year at three and two, six and two. Arizona, um, you know, Washington State started off well and they've kind of fallen on their face since Stanford, Arizona State, not good. Um, Arizona or California almost beat Southern Cal this past week, but the finish to the year for Washington uh, with the the trip to uh, Southern Cal this weekend. And then they've got Utah at home. And then they got to go to Oregon State, who's at 16th in the country. We'll see where they are tomorrow night in the playoff rankings. And then they've got Washington State at the end of the year for the Apple Cup. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they get through those, they're in, I, I think. Well, you, get, I mean, you still got to win the Pac 12. You still got to win the. Uh, win, the win the title. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if it's Oregon again and they beat Oregon for a second time, yeah. Oh, they're in. It's not even close. Yeah. 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 Dude, they're in. But if, you, but if you go undefeated and you lose the Pac 12 championship and Oregon wins it and those two teams split what do you do you know if if that's even a possibility for the fourth spot i'm having to go with eyeball test at that point and if oregon continues to play dominant football and, and you're looking at them losing a three-point game in seattle uh semi early in the year it's a rivalry game and then they go and play in the pack i guess the pack 12 is going to be in vegas again this year and they right. go to vegas and stomp a mud hole in them then I think you have to go with Oregon. I mean, you know, the, the eyeball test sort of takes over, and the committee does reward like like these wins are not equal, right? The regular the committee's proven through time, except last year. Yeah, when when they just put TCU in, regardless, they were hell bent on doing that. I think uh, until last year, they've said conference championships matter, and uh, you know that was their whole reasoning for leaving. TCU and Baylor out of, uh, you know, the first year they had it and putting in Ohio State. You know, that said, I'm still convinced if 
that were Texas and Oklahoma tied for the Big 12 title, those two teams would have been in. I, I still think you you fight that a little bit with the committee. But, man, oh, man, I mean, there's a lot of decisions. I mean, the, the, the whole Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State thing, I know Penn State lost round one, but what if they beat Michigan and then Michigan beats the Buckeyes and you're sitting there and they all, you know, it's like that Spider-Man meme where they, right. point, you know, <laughs> what, what do you do? I mean, I, I guess what, I guess, I guess, well, whoever wins that tiebreaker and goes to Indianapolis and, and should they win, which they'll be overwhelming favorites. I guess they get it by virtue of whatever the tiebreaker is because, you know, or do you put two Big Ten teams in? I mean, this is going to be a very, very fascinating year. And I like it because, you know, I generally like all the teams that are still in there. I mean, I got a lot of respect for for most of these teams. I follow them on Saturdays and stuff. I know some of the fans. Uh, So it's it's, it's an interesting type of deal. Um, And, and, you know, I I don't know that – we've gone into the beginning of November with this many quality teams. I mean, I think we've gone into it with people, teams who are mathematically alive, you know, math-wise. Uh, but, but this many quality teams, you know, chugging towards the finish line, it's going to be a hell of a finish. Well, and you have, too, you have head-to-heads that, can help, that will help decide all of this because you have Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, potentially, you have Washington and Oregon. You could have Texas and Oklahoma, although I, I Oklahoma going to Oklahoma State this weekend. I'm just good. I'll just gonna tell you this: I ain't picking Oklahoma. Um, I'm just not. Oklahoma State's better than people think they are, and they got a chance to get into the Big Twelve title game as well. They're not ranked, but they're six and two, and they're barely outside. They're twenty six. They're they received the most votes without being in there. Um, so like you've got a lot of the head to head and then, Hey, there's a team we have not had, we haven't said a word about in this entire conversation. Where's Alabama going to be tomorrow night? Where's Alabama? Cause if, if Bama beats LSU, look, they can't lose again. If they lose in the regular season, they're out. Okay. But they're the scenario is still there. If they beat the Tigers, and then they, the rest of the year, they go to Kentucky, go to Auburn, blue-collar road games, and if they're able to pull those wins, they beat Chattanooga, they finish the year at 11-1, and one, and and they beat Georgia. Here you are again <laughs> with the SEC having two teams, and you're going, what do we do? I mean, so there's this is a really – you're right. It's a really, really, really unique situation with a lot of head-to-heads that ultimately will be uh, deciding all this. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It was like, okay, so let that scenario play out, right? And Alabama defeats Georgia and Atlanta. Will Georgia have played enough good teams at the end of its schedule to still find a way into a playoff? Hmm. If you don't have four or three other undefeated teams. Because, I mean, I think you still give the SEC championship, the champion, even a one-loss you're saying the, if there's they multiple get in. one loss teams, Phil? Yeah, let, let's just say there's well, okay, so Michigan and Ohio State are gonna play, and that's gonna sort out the Big Ten undefeateds. And let's just say whoever wins that goes undefeated. So that's one undefeated team. Washington wins out, beats Oregon in a rematch in Las Vegas, two undefeated teams. So now that clears out all your undefeated teams. Except for Florida, Except Florida State. State. 
Florida State. Yeah, okay. So that's the third one. So Florida State's in. And then so Georgia, somebody's gonna have to get tripped up somewhere. Georgia to have to be out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Georgia saying, would be on the outside looking in if there were three undefeated. Yeah. But just like just like Jim, but what all right, so what if though there's not what if Washington trips up? Yeah, what if Washington trips up? Like, well, and it loses to Oregon, and then you got Bama, and you got two one-loss SECs plus Oregon. Woo! Ooh, yeah, Shoe buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe a one-loss Texas is in there, too. I mean, I, I, how yeah, do you – they went out. Yeah, yeah Alabama um, – I don't know. Head against Bama, who just beat Georgia. It's interesting. Like, this is this is. I, I know I, you, JC. You just noted it was like we've never had so many dogs in the fight this late. I like. I, it. I know if Georgia does this, if Georgia, let's say Georgia spanks that Heine for the rest of the year, right? Yeah. Like they beat the crap out of Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Tech, and then they happen to stub their toe against Bama and lose by a field goal. In a close, I don't. Game. I don't know how you keep Georgia out. Uh, with that, just with the, the, and put other one loss teams in because uh, you know, you say what you want about Georgia's schedule. Well, it, t- guess what? Turns out it's a little tougher than people thought. Yeah, t- turns out you know, it, it, it they've got three top 25 teams right here in a row, you know, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I don't, I don't know how you keep them out, and I don't know how you keep the SEC champion out. Uh, but at the same time, I could make a case. I mean, so if you're Texas and you went out, uh, and you're sitting there going, well, we beat Alabama on their home field by 10 points. Does that not right. count anymore, you know? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a thing. Teams like Florida State, Florida State's the team that has to stay undefeated. Like, if they lose in Gainesville, like, let's say everything goes hunky-dory, undefeated in ACC, got that, and then they go to Gainesville and play one of those games where – that that crowd gets into it and gators this and gator bait and chomp chomp and and they're turning it over uh, you know and they lose Whew, that's it i don't think they're making it that's the equivalent uh, of carolina over clemson last year boom you're yeah, out yeah yeah i think, I think that's, door, that's probably yeah. it <laughs> so uh I, I don't know i mean it, it's uh there's a lot of fascinating scenarios hopefully one day we're talking about the game cuts but hey maybe we will be cuz it's uh it's going, going to 12, 12 next year. This whole thing is making the perfect case for 12 right now because of all the yeah. one-loss teams out there. And even, like, the two-loss teams. I mean, LSU is uh, – they don't have a chance at 6-2 and two because they've got a loss against Florida State. they got a loss against Ole Miss, although they beat Alabama, Florida, Georgia State, A&M, finish year 10-2, and two, beat Georgia in there. They'd have as good of wins as anybody out there. Um, but, I, but, I, but with two losses, I still think they'd be – be behind my here's my point though like with when you get an expanded playoff and you go golly the hottest team in the country is LSU they're 10 and 2 you don't want to play them right now but they're not they're they're going to the capital one bowl they're not going or they're going to the sugar bowl they're not going to the playoff next year they'll be in the playoff you know so you could have that you could have that two loss team that nobody wants to play at the end of the season all of a sudden competing to win a national championship yeah, you'd have some interesting games if you were to shut it down and just use the AP for right now. You'd have Notre Dame at Washington because those are going to be on-site games, right? Yep. Notre Dame at Washington, yeah. Ole Miss at Oregon, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Texas three, I guess you would assume. <laughs> yeah. And then Penn State down in Tuscaloosa. Down in Alabama, yeah. Okay, question though. <laughs> what if Ole Miss wins out? 
that, see, yeah. that's the well, other side of it. Yeah. If they exactly win right. out, yeah, then they don't have, they're in that weird position where they're not going to the championship, assuming that Alabama also wins out. Yeah. And then and they're just a one loss team kind of hanging out. I think they get, no, you're, there's no way you're putting old. Alabama would have, have to lose twice. Yeah. Because if yeah. they went out, they had the best one in the country at Georgia. Listen, if yeah. Alabama wins at LSU, all right, all right. So LSU beats Alabama this weekend. All of a sudden, you're in that three way tie. Area, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know who would win in that situation. If it gets to a vote, Ole Miss has no chance because they're not a, they're not no. a blue blood. But uh, if it gets, if they can win the tiebreaker before the vote, which I don't, I don't know, like, like so, Bama, that would be Bama's only loss in the league, would be to LSU, and that seems so. It's all in the division; they all will have beaten each other. So yeah, that, that's tricky. That's that's very tricky, but uh, if Ole Miss wins out and does not make it to Atlanta, and they're sitting there with one loss, and that's to Alabama, and Alabama makes it, and other teams, we, we we'd have to eliminate some of the other one loss teams. Like they'd have to be there had to be some upsets. Yeah. Ole Miss could be like Tennessee last year and make the playoff without even winning the division. Yep, I think this is the year, and it's. Coincidentally, the last year of the four-team playoff, I think this is the year where you have the most one-loss teams going. But but we because of the, we should be doing this. We should be. I think this is that year, and then they get out at the end of the season and go. Thank God we're not doing that four-team thing anymore. Uh, thank God that was our our last trip around the sun uh, because there's just so much parity right now. Between all of those, I mean, like if Oklahoma and Georgia played on a neutral site today, I cannot. I'm not going to put my foot down and say Georgia whips them. I don't believe that. I, I think all, yeah. I don't think that Georgia would just walk in and whip, whip Oklahoma today. Like I don't think of those mm. top ten teams right now on a neutral site. Now on a neutral site, I don't think that that is just an answer. Texas you know and Ohio State. Yeah. Five weeks out, though, how much you want to bet that there will be a clear top four? There will. <laughs> yeah. We'll be sitting here like, yeah. We're like, we've run all these scenarios, and it's yeah. like, nope, yep, nope. Yeah, we'll always say the week before Thanksgiving going, well, that cleared itself up pretty <laughs> quick. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, that escalated <laughs> quickly. We killed a guy. Uh,. All right, time to get out of here. As always, oh my gosh, do you remember the movie Good Burger? There's a Good Burger 2 coming out. Praise God. Welcome to Good Burger. God be be praised. Uh, (laughs) Hale McGranahan joins us tomorrow, as does the golden tones of Mike Morgan. Thanks to Pat DeMarco. And uh, John Whittle for both joining us mm-hmm. today on our program. Built by the BarnDominiumCo.com, where you'll build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot and part of the Chief Sports Network. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll be back tomorrow at 11, and we'll see you then.